Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on social media at Galen Trombley. I hope you enjoy the show. Greetings. Please hold for a very important message. Light speed sequence initiated. How may I help you? Bonjour. Security breach. The truth shall set you free. <laughs> awesome. It's a miracle. Mission complete. Thank you. Have a nice day. Okay. We're, we're live, folks. Um, PGA podcast. We're watching the PGA. Same thing as the Masters. This is a golf podcast. Um, so if you're still going to stay on for us, we'll be on for a few hours watching golf and just talking nonsense. So welcome. Welcome to the show. Uh, Jared Burns back again. Second time in a row because you guys all put up with him last time. We brought him back. Uh, Ryan Lee, uh, friend of the show. Couldn't make the Masters pod, but we'll probably be a regular on these golf podcast major. Um, and then our our honorary special extra guest today, we're excited to have. He's been on the podcast before, not in a group setting like this. He also came with notes. We're very excited. He also coached golf. He coached Ryan. Um, coach Scott Guter. Woo! Jump camp. Love it. Golf coach. All around great guy and a local golf nut like the rest of us. So Ooh, Scott's Keegan. here, so this will be fun. And... It is what what uh this is Thursday what probably about almost four three fifty two AM uh to put it in perspective that's, I think that's PM for the local people. PM. Do I say AM? PM? Time adjustment for Rochester. Um, and uh that's <laughs> yeah, that's uh, For those of you in Japan, <laughs> thanks for waking up with us. Uh, so um, I think yeah, they just they're in the middle of round one. And our leader right now is Bradley, Keegan Bradley, Bryson DeChambeau, Scotty Scheffler. Corey Connors and Victor Hovland. Huh? All right, well that's it. So you guys we can start uh, wherever you want to take. Okay, us. wait. There's notes. I need to know about well, the notes. No, well, here's the deal. I listened to the. I, I'm a. I think the first reason I was asked to be on the podcast because he found out that I was a bit of a geek and I was a fan. I was a little fanboy. So, so you fit in. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I had listened to a lot of episodes and then. Um, I am. Wait, you mean originally, Scott, or for the golf? No, for you. The like, how did I like? Start? Oh, you're a oh, uh, Galen Trombley. I'm a Galen Trombley fan. So Anna. So we've met one. All right, <laughs> yeah. we got one. Anna. She's Channel. downloaded a lot of my episodes. I so have. I appreciate. I have Anna Channel. I'm her stepfather-in-law. So oh. Brady's my stepson. Brady Channel's my stepson. Okay. Full circle. So there was a connection here. And then when Brady and Anna got married, I geeked out on Gail. And I said, dude, I really like your podcast. And I listened to it. And he was – so then he, I think as, for a sympathy invite, he invited me in no, to do a – No, Can I Can I fact check this, Scott? Yes. Okay. Scott, I remember at the wedding. So Scott comes walking over. And I'm looking at you. And I'm like, I've seen that guy before somewhere. You know you just notice? I'm like, it's yeah. down. You're like, I've seen – I've definitely seen him. And then you said, hey, I, I watch golf. And then you said, my name's Scott Couture. And I've heard the name Scott Couture before, too. And I, I didn't know you were obviously one and the same. Anna's talked about you. I've heard the name just I've in I've heard Ryan space. say it a million times. <laughs> yeah. And Ryan was – because when you said I coached golf, I'm like, that's – yeah. Ryan talks about all, literally all the time. Like, Scott Couture is my coach. So then I was like, okay – I think the, it might be every round of golf we play. Yes. Which is impressive. Because I'm really an English teacher that likes golf. That's why I coach golf. You're a golf coach that likes <laughs> he English. Never talked, about, never talked about the English part of it. Yeah. So um, 
but no, that was it. And then I just like we kind of talked a little bit that day, and I liked it. And I think we might have brought up golf and brought up a couple things. And I'm like, yeah, we, like, let's. I like talking to fun people, so that's really it. So you you passed the first test, yeah. Scott, that day. So so I listened to I listened to a lot of podcasts, and I downloaded or I listened to the the masters one, and I'm like, I can't hang with that crew. They know a lot more about <laughs> golf and technology, and so I actually did some research so I could hang a little bit if things were brought up, and I. I just brought some notes in case I needed them. What's our uh, what's our first note? Well, uh, the history of Oak Hill and the remodel was something that I found very interesting. This Andrew Green is. I wish Alec in. was here. Yeah, he came in and he they made a decision in 2019. They basically redid the entire course. He he uh, what do you call it? Reverse engineer. He reverse engineered it to be more like its original design. Um, what happened was uh, Lee Trevino in the 60s. He shot four straight rounds in the 60s. And Oak Hill got nervous that the course was becoming too easy for major tournaments. So they brought in the Fazios in the 70s and they tricked it up a little bit and mm -hmm. made it tougher. Took out some of his original designs. Trees started to mature. Um, uh, and some people didn't like, some of the professionals were like, he kind of tricked it up and it was tougher. And then in 80, I think Nicholas won by like seven strokes, but he might have been one of few mm -hmm. under par. Mm -hmm. um, and then... Um, you know, they've hosted other events, but then they made the decision to, uh, there was a lot of tree overgrowth greens were kind of becoming, uh, I guess the, the more you play in the sand play, it, it, it impacts how greens age. So he's come that all the greens have been redone. They've removed trees. They've, they, uh, went back and brought back and re, uh, introduced some holes on the front nine that had been eliminated by the Fazios to make them tougher and I guess the idea is to make it more like the original design. Is it? Is this a Donald Ross? Was it yeah. Donald Ross? I was Donald just going to ask that. Yeah, yeah. Donald, Donald Ross. They want it. He kind of he calls it reverse engineering it to make it more like the original intent of the course. So if I can jump in, Scott, and I, I'm going to say this again thousands of times. So this first hole right here, when we went, so I went in uh, 2003 when Sean McKeel won it. I was a little kid. And the first hole, we spent a lot of time on the right side, kind of where they landed, so complete opposite where Phil's hitting now. But when you look at this, you can already tell it's more open than what I remember. I believe there was a couple trees closer down by the green. Yep. Um, and what I've heard in a lot of like press conferences, kind of what Phil did there, they said you, there's a lot of openings and a lot of shoots to the green, even though the rough's very dense. It's not tall, it's dense. That once the ball's like hit out of that or chopped out of that, a lot of them are going to play those run up shots because it's cut. So I guess whatever it is, the, the apron basically leading up to it is is you just can't get enough spin to, get to, to stick it. Yeah. But if you're out of the rough, but you, you can at least roll it up it. on yeah. there. So a lot of guys are talking about just being able to scoot the ball up. Obviously, if it's that one's like so a like my pin. shot out of the fairway. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep it under the wind, right, Jared? So, Which yeah. to your point, before we start recording, GT is why it looks like Bryson is doing so well. Because he can smack it down there. If he's in the rough, doesn't matter as long well, as he's, he's got a also shot like, to it's a, just shoot it up on the green. Isn't he leaned down? Like yeah. his pitching wedge is like a 40. 40? Oh, yeah. Well, that so his lofts on his clubs are based on spin. Right. So, like his yeah. club, club his heads, lofts are way down though, right? They've all been like that. So like his his like in theory his pitching wedge is probably turned down to like an eight iron. But he has to do it because if he swung the, at the speed he can swing it at, it's going to go so high up in the right. air for the spin. So, I mean, that's why he uses, I think, like a four-degree driver, something like that, because he's he's going to hit it too right. high if he uses like a nine or a ten. Um, but the main thing is, I think, because of some of the trees taken out, I've, from what I've been listening to and kind of watching and researching, 
Wingfoot, which he obviously won at, was the only guy under par at Wingfoot. I think this is going to play very similar in that you can blow a shot down there. You, you, I mean, it's narrow, but if you hit it far enough down and you have a pitching wedge when other guys are hitting eight iron in, mm-hmm. he's going to be able to attack pins where most guys want to Pitching wedge from the rough is and, and they're saying manageable. That, that, you know, I've heard some people say 500 par. I always feel like anytime they say something low, it always ends up being a little bit higher than what they predict. So I think the winner is going to be like right around 10, 11 par, under par, I think, but... I'm also I'm also really good at uh, hitting hitting it in the fairway, you know, pretty far, and then hitting it like three feet from. That I don't spot. always duff my <laughs> second shot, but it's after my best drive of the day. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so sorry, I haven't Scott. seen. I haven't, so, have you guys watched Bryson in a while? I haven't. I haven't watched um, um, live like almost all this year. I watched one. I watched, one and it was just a couple. Now. It was just a couple holes. Because they're on what, like um, the CW or whatever. Yeah. I watched the one they played in Australia. I watched a couple holes there. They tried to create like one of those par three mm-hmm. the drinking the drinking, drinking hole yeah. or whatever yeah, the watering right. hole i yeah. think they call it yeah um i heard that left a ton of damage too i read Did that it? too yeah, yeah like, like the, they were really so, upset members yeah of that course what were was really that upset. course it was recent Ab- abadale or Ab- yeah in australia yeah. But, yeah i forgot yeah because like the name. members were irate with how bad and then they showed some pictures of how bad the course was well they had afterwards. to shut it down for a couple of weeks i think after just to repair it yeah which i would imagine I, you I think, probably i think that's customary though. you're probably shutting down a course for a, a week or so regardless right just from like, all the foot traffic well they were showing clips of um where the rider cup rider cups in rome this year they already have half the grandstands up at the up in rome i mean they're playing six months or not six months i guess three months from now but things are already being built up so you got to think like the building and the tearing down tearing mm-hmm. down is going to take them a, probably a month or so and we set up for the kids Day, the day prior, and pull it down the next day. We are well over machine. We're not we're, at grandstands. We are way yet, better than the Ryder Cup. I, yeah. Well, I think we're a few years away from rolling in like a, a set of like four level bleachers and just sticking them on eighteen <laughs> for some random. It ends up being all the players sitting That'd there. Be but, so great. Um, how great would that be? This was, also, this it, course also, by the way, is like five hours and like ten minutes away from us. So if we left right now, so <laughs> why there? So in other words. Why there was a frost delay this morning? Two hours, is, right? Yeah. Oh gosh! Well, that's been the story of our lives. Our, oh, oh my god! Three played, times now. We played once in the morning this year. Yeah, at least I have with you. I guys. played twice. Twice. Once with you guys, and once with my neighbor. But so we've gone out. Is is this the third time now? Third time, I think. Third yeah. time. So two times we've gone to Bluff at about five forty-five in the morning, stared. six o'clock, and we get up there and the putting green the putting surface i mean just driving in you can tell that there's just frost everywhere and the sun just doesn't come up and that frost just stayed heavy i mean we were there till seven and it was still heavy it was yeah so yeah so i haven't i haven't played much golf this year it relative to like how much i've actually been up ready to play just (laughs) like to get up and it's you know 38 degrees in yeah i think i've bailed on as many rounds as we've played Close to it. In the morning, I bailed on more rounds than I played for sure. We played a couple. Like we snuck out one afternoon. We went down when we went down to Edison. Mm-hmm. We had a couple rounds, but not a lot. That was I, probably I, our best round of golf so far this year. Like in terms of yeah, which yeah. one, Edison? Yeah, yeah. I, I just yeah, being able to go out Edison? To play. just being able to Where's go play. Uh, it was Rexford, so it's like Clifton, Clifton Park, Park area. area. Oh, yeah, okay. we went down. I have a friend um, who's a member there. We went down and played and kind of had turned it into a golf day. Um, Ryan and I pretended like we belonged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this guy, hey, it was, I thought it was pretty fun. Did you like the course? I don't think I, I did. ever debriefed. I did, it with yeah. You. There was a moment, so we were so we were driving down. That was on the back nine, I think, right, right? When I told you just keep driving, I want to walk. Oh right, he so he literally like kicks me out of the cart. Basically, he's like, no, 
you need to you need to walk <laughs> so we're driving down i think it's on the i think it's on the back nine right before that par three that willie and i went into the the sand trap on on the left you know that par three right there's like a little i think that was right when it was this is par three i think it was right before that anyway so we're driving down there's a little there's a little hill that goes down there's some water on the left but you crest this hill and start to go down and i had hit i had uh, Willie had hit right, and so I went over with Galen to look for that ball. We couldn't find that ball. And then I walked back to get to the cart, and I was just kind of walking, doing like a Rory-style walk down the fairway. <laughs> and you could just feel the grass. It was just this spongy putting green of grass yeah. as you're walking down the fairway. And Ryan goes, yeah, come on. I go, you got to get out of the cart right now. He goes, what are you <laughs> talking about? I go, yeah. just get out of the cart and walk. He goes, what? And I had I had to have him walk because the, the fairways were just – for the so beginning of the year, they were in great condition. We, so we usually play that course in September, and it's just different. I mean, the September weather, it's – like I would say September, it's probably in like a little nicer shape. It's, you know, it's dried out. It's, you know, it's cut down. But it's uh, – even, even – yeah, that was probably one of the nicest courses I played in May. Just from like it overall, was, I could walk out. And it, was, it was the conditions of the course relative to when I played down in Myrtle Beach the month prior at TPC. I would say the conditions at Edison were better than Myrtle Beach. The fairways, at least. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, the fairways were wow. cut nicer. That's Edison, impressive. Edison does a good job. They, it's a really nice club. I'd like to go down, you know, maybe yearly, kind of make that little... The, I green, remember, the greens, on the other hand, in Myrtle Beach were lightning. And that's why I shot... Probably a, like putting That's why I shot a 99. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you shot that. Got it. <laughs> oh. That's just the TPC course there at Myrtle Beach? Yeah. That's where you... It was incredible. Yeah. The, and I couldn't believe it, too, because we went down and we're there on a family trip, and we were just trying to – a buddy of mine who actually happens to be my watch, neighbor down the street. Watch this. Sorry. Look at Ricky. Just that's, That was for par. <gasps> oh, I, I would love to see – like, what's the chance that Ricky Fowler pulls it off this year? Like, obviously Slim. very under the radar. Yeah. I, when you say pulls it off, like top 20? No, wins. Because <laughs> that's a win in Ricky's that's world a, right now. Right here. Here's a perfect example. Bryson can't see the ball. He's probably got second shot. He's probably got a sand wedge. He's got a jumbo custom Ooh, grip. A big divot, though. But, like, how many guys are able to do this? Oh. I mean, that one came up short, junkie. but still he got there. You know, like, I think, I think most guys are just hacking that back up and running it the best they can. I don't know. I think Bryson's got a shot. What do you think about it's a great the, the idea? And these guys are pros, but the idea of playing that extra round versus the the fifty four hole events, mm. and they've played was, dozens upon dozens upon dozens of seventy. You what, know, wasn't that the the thing with? Uh, wasn't that the thing with um, Brooks Kepka at the Masters? He had the fifty four hole lead, and seventy two. <laughs> Is that what the, the oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah until Sunday came around and then Brooks fell apart. I think that was me um, during the Masters pod. Mike down, Mike down. I think that's the thing is like since Bryce, I haven't watched Bryson play since he's lost weight. Like he's cut back down to his normal size. Yeah, he says he he didn't like. He was always battling inflammation. Like he was yeah. always. If by inflammation he means like <laughs> spending his that. entire life in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he looks. How much weight do you think he's dropped? I would say thirty pounds. Yeah, because he looks. He he basically looks like a just mus a slightly more muscular version of when he first came on the tour, whereas he looked like he was built like a linebacker yeah. for the Kansas City Chiefs yeah, last year. Now he does. Oh, that's a shot. Um, 
Does he still? He has all of his clubs are the same length. Does he? Is that what they? I yes, I heard that. Yeah, he he's got clubs that are all the same length. At least he did. Literally all of his all of his. I don't know. All the way up. Trend for a while because it was um, the the thought. Like are we talking driver length, like forty four inches? No, no, the driver was shorter, but then like wedges would be longer than normal. Yeah, and like the seven was exactly the same as like you and I, but he kind of had like. Basically, every club like the same length is like a seven iron, right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Something like really, that. yeah, yeah. And it was, what was his thought process behind that? Uh, consistency with ball striking. For Just like I'm stepping up to the ball, the same exact swing. The every only thing that's same. changing is my uh, is the loft, right? But it, but like you can swing the same like a seven iron every so time. So my stance, it's not coming closer but, to my feet or further yeah, away. It's just, just the, the same. same it feel it the did mess with distances, as you can imagine. Sure. Especially with a short, like you would see him when, it, oh, that's going to go. You would see him with a short game and it just looked awkward because yeah. the club was so tall. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he had that run where he was playing really well. And I don't remember the tournament, but he he struggled at the end against maybe Patrick Cantley. Or it was a, during the FedEx Cup time where you know, he kind of folded near the end of a tournament. And it was a short game that did that. And that's where mm-hmm. I think that I heard them talking, the, the, yep. the commentators talking about how his clubs were all the same size. Like, and he like has wow. Massive grips. So I listened like the grips you, are very, I don't know what the wrap would be or what so the size apparently, is, but they're like custom, they're very big. So did you see that? So apparently, based, like grip size is based on how quickly you can close the club face. So people that have the, a propensity to hook the ball, which someone with his club speed, probably the timing, I, probably, I would imagine a propensity to hook the ball. If you create a wider grip, it allows for a slower closing of the club face. Yeah. So it can negate some of that some of that closing. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of factors that go into a hook. Just ask any amateur golfer. <laughs> but that uh, allegedly, that's why. Oh. It's, it's like one of... Thank you. You're welcome. It's like one of Jen. Of, of Jen like, just walked in with two cocktails. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say ooh because Pat, because who was that? R- Rose that just hit a shot. I'm not sure. So what I was going to say about grips is um, I actually have grips that uh, hey, thank you. They don't they don't narrow as much on the bottom. You know how most grips you get it and it, it, yeah. it just the the butt of it is the thickest and then it right. keeps getting yep. yep. Um, Mine are like more consistently the same width, almost. But all the, the way but down. you're not, but you're not wider because I my it's my wider b- down at the bottom. On my lower hand, my left but the hand, top is the same. The top is similar to like what my grips oh, right. are right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But is that done with wrap or do you? Have it's a the way grip? it's the way the grip was made. It's like a new golf pride. Grip yeah, that yeah, like the this. like the ones that we have. What are those? The they're golf called like the, the the plus four. M- something I, I've, it's like basically like the equivalent of putting four wraps or something underneath the lower end or something like that yeah because i don't know the details i just know that if you were to if i were to hand you my golf club you would notice that like whoa it doesn't really like taper like i'm used to sure which is probably interesting i mean it's probably i would imagine that it feels a little different in your hand though too with that i think about grip wraps under the grip correct okay <laughs> no, keep talking. I just want to make sure I was like nerding listen. out on on like how how the, the like why and why Bryson but, potentially has really thick grips. Who knows? But, but that's um, the thing though too is like depending on how it falls in your hand, right? Look at that putter that is obnoxious. The old anchor. 
just for par. Didn't they? Didn't they spend? Wasn't there? Didn't the PGA outlaw the that putter for a couple of years, or was it the sternum putter? Uh, sternum. You couldn't anchor it, which yeah. They actually they used to put it. Um, no, they used to do it up by the. Chi- was it? By yeah, the that's outlaw. There. Uh, it's so been it's, restricted. I don't know the exact limitations. Because like I know because you can do this, but you couldn't anchor it in. And I believe the anchor against was, your. I think it was into your sternum or up near your chin. Like guys were almost like holding it. Like it was weird. I, it's been years since I've seen it like done, but Adam Scott still used a long putter. Yeah. He holds it kind of like in a, in his hand. So it's really not anchored to the body, hmm. which I don't really, I don't have like you ever seen those. Video. Have you ever seen those old videos though of like Jack and everybody putting though? It's like the polar opposite of what you see now. Risty. I mean, they're just, their putters are like, they must've been like 29s. They're super they were wristy. So short, very wristy. Really yeah, bent they, over they the putter. Stabbed at the pot yeah. and ball. And they up. just kind of, yeah. I wonder when that incredible. changed because if you think of it, like the technique of some of the old golfers, like the techniques, if you watch it now, you're like, that's not a good way to swing relative had, to like the way people do it now. Had to have been sometime in the 90s once they introduced like the, the technical aspect of like almost all sports. You well, know, that when was, you look at the black and white ones though, it's like really snappy. It's yeah. all wrist and like this, like almost like a flick. Well, at the think pot. about those putters back then too. Those were those little butter knives. Yeah, true. Probably had to do it just to get a little speed on the ball. Max Holmes, he's he was playing really good golf. Was that the beginning in of the this fall year? during the or fall? Was that last year, it was I last think year. The fall. Didn't he win? I think he won the Fortnite this year, didn't he? Or the, one of the earlier tournaments of the year. And then he he's kind of he flattened out. Fell a little apart. Bit. I feel like he won, won twice this year, but early. There was a, like and this, I think it was the tournament or, there shortly thereafter that he it, absolutely fellas. fell I apart. Got it. I got all the winners because I remember watching. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and this is where the notes come in handy. I love it. I he forget what Fortnite tournament. In, uh, Danny Willett was second, so he won that. It would have been back in like, was it the Sony? That's the one. Is that the one in well, Hawaii? You know why I said he won twice is because technically the season starts last year, so Almost I think a, one yeah. of his wins was actually in the fall, and then I think he won once earlier this year. So Armors he's got like insurance two, open. Okay, yep. So he's won two tournaments, I think, within the calendar golf year, which is not necessarily the calendar year. Right. The Fortnite was in September. Yep. Of 2022, I guess. Yeah, did he win another one? Yeah, the. Uh, he we said the Farmers, but in between the Fort, uh, Fortnite or whatever uh, and the Farmers. I feel like he yeah. definitely won two. I know that because he was a multiple I know time he, winner. I know he won two, yeah. Because um, he was playing really good golf. I mean, he's a, he's a gamer too. I just don't see him getting into the like some of the majors. Same thing with Shoffley. Like, he's. For all the hype that uh, I like Xander, but for all the hype he's gotten, every time you go into a major, how many guys pick Xander to win, and he's never in contention. Hasn't been in a couple. Like I feel like, what maybe two years, three but years. He's, like a really in- he's a consistently top fifteen finisher, though. Yeah, but that's a massive difference from being one, two, three. That's, that's true. I think the last time he was super relevant was with the Masters when he put one in the water in sixteen. I think it was what when uh, was it Matsuyama won it that year. I think you're right. Yeah, he put it kind of hit a high like eight iron. He kind of pulled it into the water or hooked mm-hmm. it. But I don't know if he's really done much since. Homa came in second to John Rahm in the Genesis. The Genesis. So that's that a good tournament. Uh, he won and he won a year before. Yeah, uh, that right? might be what I was thinking of. Yeah, Max. Max is a good golfer. He just. I mean, I think he's what fifth or sixth in the world right now. It, the thing, the crazy thing is, is like a guy like Turn. Max could win like the Pip at the end of the year if Tiger Woods didn't exist. Like just 
purely being Tiger Woods. Like Tiger I think won't he's lose just the pip. He'll never <laughs> lose it because all he has to do is make a public appearance. He doesn't even need an account. He'll win the pip. He literally like <laughs> he can just hire a social media agency and not have to. He doesn't do even anything. have to. He's got guys like us. I'll just post about him. Like yeah, Tiger won. Good. good but job. Max does all that stuff. I mean, he did that for well, like three years where he would just yeah. have people throw their throw videos up and he'd just trash their swings. That was some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen. Um. Speaking of the guy about ready to hit Jason Day, who won he's, last week, yeah, who is can we say back? Usually the uh, the old was, meme, he's back, like, baby, he's back. But yeah, he's been playing well. I remember this would have been what four years? No, definitely pre COVID. So five years ago, when was he in the top? Was he ranked world number he was one? Number one. Oh yeah, fifteen, sixteen, fifteen, sixteen. He won uh, those. Those he won the years. PGA, um, yes. What fifteen? Fifteen. Yeah, yeah. And those years for. For a day, where do you guys remember that? How exciting it was to watch him play golf, though. Absolutely, back then? Jason, yep. like yeah. some of the stuff. Like he would, he would be in the middle of like be leading a tournament and decide to take driver off the deck. Like he would just do some crazy stuff. Whereas like the polar opposite of that would be like Francisco Molinari, where he's yeah. leading and it's just like, okay, this guy's just getting up and down and boring, nope. really smart golf, just <laughs> boring <laughs> yeah. old man golf. But Jason Day has four kids, by the way. Jason Day w- uh, said recently Seriously? that. In an interview that I don't know if you guys saw this, but he was seriously considering like quitting. W- quitting. Yeah. yeah. I think I did read that. Yeah. So I'm glad he didn't. I'm glad he made it through. I, I like Jason Day a lot. He's Can you believe that? I, I want to, I think, because Ricky stayed, right? Even though he's ranked what? Stayed. With the PGA. Yeah, he's PGA guy. He's, oh, you mean versus he, going to live? Yeah, he's ranked like what? Wow. Oh, he just jumped up a lot. Though, oh, yeah. He's had yeah. a great start to the season. Okay. Yeah, because he just last jumped year, up his, big time. For he's him just to, outside the top 50. For him, and it's probably, because, it's probably because of you know friendship with JT and, and Jordan and everything, but like, I'm sure he got offered a ton of cash. Mm-hmm. And when you're playing poor golf like that... That was the recurring theme with a lot of those guys. They were all kind of struggling a little bit. Well, that's, right. and, that's why it kind of sounds like Brooks went over. Yeah, we're going to take our guaranteed payday because that documentary on netflix really opened up the why the struggle the yeah. struggle of a professional golfer who's not playing well and like how they could go to these tournaments miss the cut and walk away with nothing zero dollars yeah. and then you get some of those guys that are ranked you know 160th or something and they miss a couple of cuts and then all of a sudden well, they're broke well then speaking of dustin johnson he's up now and i he got up and, and he said one of the best things that i've heard some ah look at that he said one of the best things I've... That's a small green. Yeah. Wow, that's a really small green. Um, so uh, he got up and they asked him about it. And he said, he's like, listen, he goes, if I can go work less and make more, like, wouldn't you do that? Like, basically every person in the world would be like, absolutely. And he's like, that's yeah. all I did. He goes, I just... And he wasn't looking at it, I think, as... He just purely was like, I don't have to work as much and I can make more money and I can spend more time with my family me, and that's what I'm doing. Let so. me ask you a question, Liv. Does live exist in five years? Is it, you're talking about XFL? Is this an XFL? <laughs> That's what I mean. Vince though. McMahon. Well, what's interesting over? is um, a lot of the live guys are like a lot of the changes that we've been asking for on the PGA Tour for years. All of a sudden, they're making. We've been asking for mm-hmm. you know more guaranteed money or more. You know, if you miss a cut, doesn't mean you get nothing. Right. And and so you're seeing the, what do they call them, the dedicated, not the dedicated yeah. events. Yeah, elevated, elevated events. Elevated yep. events. And, um, you know, there's talk about no cut, you know, more situations without mm-hmm. cuts. And I, so, I mean, 
if if you were to see PGA uh, make some changes, would those guys come back? I don't know what their contracts are. Their contracts right? are terrible. Yeah. Well, their contracts like, with Saudi are really really bad. I mean, it's it's what it's four year. It's a four year contract, and if you leave early, you have to pay back four times the. Wait, original. it's a four year contract. I think it's a four year contract. Oh. And then you have I, to pay, but if you leave early, you have to pay back four times your original. Um, but, but even if signing you, bonus or whatever it was, because like I think Brooks would have had to pay back like. Was it forty million dollars or something like that? I think it was more than that. No, dude. Brooks. Yeah, I think or four hundred million. I think Brooks got a hundred mil to go. Okay, yeah. so then it, yeah, it was four times. So, I mean, obviously that works in the in the favor of Liv, but at the same time, I feel like I should make teacher t shirts that say Phil was right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he he was. It's not. I mean, when you look at everything they've done, it's just a matter of if they could institute if they could institute a salary like most professional sports where it's like okay here you go you come out of college and you've got you know do the same way baseball does you have this for a professional athlete pretty shit salary but if you could institute this baseline salary for these guys the caliber of play would probably be pretty dang pretty pretty damn good i would imagine i think think if you look at most guys in like the whole live pga tour i think most it's kind of it's like american politics in 98 percent of people really don't care and everybody they're kind of all in the middle and you have the wax on both sides that are just extreme and i think that you're hearing with a lot of like the really outspoken people both ways most pga guys when you, they, they get interviewed they always <clears throat> the kind of the theme is them telling the media like i think you guys are more invested in this than we are like sure i'm fine like i'm going on the range i'm hitting they're my buddy so i don't i don't think it's as polarizing and there's some you got like rory's obviously speaking out because he's the president of or the head of the pga um players association yeah players Association. thank you players association uh but most of them are pretty quiet and obviously phil gets thrust in because he's kind of the the guy one of the top guys that first started to speak out about it obviously phil's um you know 50 something years old and has accomplished a lot it's different him speaking than a bryson speaking you know Mm so i think a lot of them most of these guys i don't I think they dodge a lot of questions and I don't, I don't think it's as polarizing within the space as like anything, the media spins it to be. Um, and I think most of them don't care. They're just like, it's golf. Play, let them play golf. We'll play golf. Like whatever, like let, let whoever wants to decide, figure it out. But most of these guys are, they're all independent contractors. They're going out and playing and they pick what's best for them and they go play. And I, I don't, I don't think it's, do you think it I, bothers them though? that They're not playing under the umbrella of the PGA who the live guys. Yeah. Do you think no. at the end, of, like if you were a golfer and you knew that like your tournaments were all live tournaments versus PGA or USGA tournaments? Do I think they're going to admit that the live tournaments aren't as prestigious and cool as the PGA? No. Uh, PGA tournaments, I mean, they've had the history. Like that's, that's all mean. tournaments are, they're history. Like the Masters yeah, was nothing exactly. in year one. You know, it took 70, whatever, 80 years. But um, I don't think you're going to see live guys say like, oh, the Chicago event was way better than the Memorial. Like that's not going to happen. But... It's also year one. Yeah. Um, do I think they're bothered by it? I'm sure there's some of it where they're like, this is kind of gimmicky, but I'm making a lot of money and I only have to play like 10 rounds a year or whatever, or 10 tournaments. So I, th- I do think there's a lot of that. I do think some of these guys like Cam Smith, I do think of Bryson, I do think of Brooks that are still at the pinnacle of the game. I think it's not maybe not the best to keep them sharp. That's what I was wondering about. Are they going to be able to maintain? Like you saw what happened. To, although Phil did, Phil made a run at and the Phil Masters. Phil got second, yeah. so like but you could. Kepka went the other way, and you just wonder if they're going to playing less. Are they going to be able to maintain their their high level? Right. The 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 quotes that ran around like, oh Brooks, you know the the tournament's uh, four days instead of three, buddy. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I think it wasn't like a Liv Perry account, and your champion Brooks Kepka at the after the end of round <laughs> yeah. three. But yeah. um, I, I don't necessarily think it's going to affect them over four days. I think it's just going to affect them overall. Like I think if you get a guy that's in contention on the fourth day, he's been playing four rounds for a lot of his life. But I do think you're going to start seeing less and less of them being competitive because of it, because they may not be playing not necessarily four rounds. There's a stamina not piece as, to it. It's correct. Be. They're not playing yeah. as act. They're not as active tournaments week to week. Um, and that makes a difference. I mean, you can't say, you know, you're playing 10 tournaments a year versus 20. You're going to be sharper with 20. I think, uh, did you see the last live tournament that uh, there was, it was close going to the end, but they, they don't have, they buy time on the CW. So when after uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, yeah, the, the, they started, <laughs> they, they started before, showing before the other programming. Yes, they started showing other programming and missed the end of the tournament. It was, I believe, it was just last weekend. Oh, oh they wow! So obviously the yeah. CW does not, they're not golfers. No, nope. CBS is like you'll watch all your news at eleven yeah. o'clock tonight. <laughs> you can you can watch hole. sixty minutes later, buddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're on the fifth playoff hole. We're making some cash on this. Oh my gosh, that's crazy! Yeah, yeah well, that is, is, I mean, yeah. that was their biggest problem already. Was you could only watch it on YouTube last year. Yeah, and I mean, not that the CW was much of an upgrade for them either. You didn't renew your subscription this year, <laughs> <laughs> but they just have unlimited money, right? That's it. Sounds like that's the. I mean, I don't. I don't know if we'll ever know the full story, but it sounds like that's the case. Though it's just we're going to throw a bunch, which makes you wonder, like, why are they? What's the ultimate goal here? Like, did you know? What's Greg Norman's catch, right? Which I don't, that's the thing. I don't know if there's really an ultimate goal, except you try to turn the tables into your favor and then you start. It's like anything else. Like Netflix comes out at $8.99. Now you're paying $15.99 for Netflix because they got the, they got the viewership and now like, well, you're not going to leave us. We're just going to jack you up a dollar every year and make more money. Well, it's capitalism at the end of the day, right? It's like, okay, you've got somebody out here that has a monopoly on an industry. Mm Mm-hmm. Can we put enough money together so that we can turn that into a duopoly and we can figure out a way to slowly pull away business from this? And, you know, how does that advantage Saudi, too, at the end of the day? They call right? it the term sports washing. Is that yeah. a term that I've heard? Yeah, use? sports watching. Sport. Yeah, sports washing. Washing. Mm. Yeah, I haven't heard that. Yeah, I guess like you, you take their money and you build up this event and then maybe they branch out in other ways and then you forget where the money originally came from. You know, you kind of oh, like, like almost like washing, like, like kind of like sports money, money laundering. Interesting. You know? It's possible. Yeah. It makes sense. And, but again, I, I think if you go back to, and I don't know the backstory with like the Saudi league, I think they're throwing, it'd be like saying there's someone from America that's terrible. And like, you're playing in the American league. I'm like, well, no, that one person or, co- or company's terrible, not the whole country. So I don't know. I don't understand enough about the, the Saudi Arabia like economy or, or human rights issues obviously there's some I think bad like, stuff I think I like most it's, things it's it's a you, you can point to a couple bad things and then people just say okay that's everything so how dare you be part of that when you know this is happening like anything right politics that whole the whole situation you just take that one thing that's really bad and then you just say everything is associated with that one thing so I, yeah I don't know enough about it either I mean obviously you, you have I mean, you have that whole region that's just expanding like crazy, and golf is a pretty good industry to get into. I mean, talk about it from a recreation standpoint. It's a pretty good industry. So I'm just looking at Oak Hill Country Club, the website. So they're playing. There's two courses there. There's east and west. So they're playing the east course. So the first hole, so they have red tees, gold tees, white tees, blue tees, black tees, and then 
these guys, like the PGA Championship major tees. So let's say we're going to hit up the white tees. It's 380 yards on the first hole. From where the pros are hitting, it's 460. So it's an extra 80 yards further 460 back. 460 par 4. Par 4, 460. Like the blues are 430. So they're 50 yards back behind the whites, which is quite a bit. And then it's 10 more yards back to the black tees. And that's 20 more so yards back to the... that's number 12 at Bluff as a par 4. Yes. Then number 2, it would be, we would play it at 350. They're playing at 405, a par, fo- par 4. Then it's a 165. We would play par 3. They're playing at 230. So imagine hitting like a 6 or, or a 7, 8 iron in, and those guys are hitting like 4 iron maybe, like a two, into 230. Like just the difference of like trying to stop the ball on those greens from 230 versus, you know, 165, you know, we're probably hitting eight to seven iron basically. And then you go 230. I'm not like, I'm struggling to get there in 230. 230. 230. That's my five wood. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm I'm trying to pepper. Yeah. If I pure it too. Yeah. I'm trying to hit like a really solid long club to get anywhere near the green. And those guys are pulling out like a four iron and trying to obviously pinpoint a certain part of the green. And it's it's also guarded with bunkers too. Let's not forget that they're not. That's they crazy. Rebuilt all the bunkers, and they're supposed to be pretty deep. Yeah, I heard look at that one. Faces, yeah, Ooh. look at the faces. They, they said they're going to be like you see some guys chipping out sideways. I, has it? Like, have they been doing this over the course of like the last three years? 2019 is when oh, okay. they started removing trees prior to that, but 2019 is when they began the major renovation. Okay, the members haven't been on this course since before, like I believe October. They didn't allow any members to be. Uh, on the east course, west course, they allowed them. But um. well, what do you think about having? So when they, so 2003 they had it, 2013 they had it, now 2023. But those were both in August, so now they moved it to May. And I, I think I think I sent to you guys where JT's like it snowed like three weeks ago, and we had snow yesterday here. I know. I, and they have a frost delay, so like I'm almost wondering, is this the last championship that Oak Hill sees in May? Purely right. based on the fact that they, they've moved the PGA. There used to be a lot of PGAs in the Northeast. Yes. Like, I went to Baltusrol, which was in yeah. Jersey, but that again, that was in um, August. So a lot of these, you know, in May, that's dicey weather where they're like, we can open it up to the South now. Go It'd to have Texas, to be an open. It, It'd have to be a U.S. Open. U.S. I was just going to ask you that. When is the U.S. Open normally? In June. Father's Day weekend. It, which is, right? it is okay. Usually, it's usually father, it's father's Day this year, which is usually Sunday's Father's Day. Where for, is it this year? Um... Where LA, was it? LA Country Club. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I sent that. But to next year's, right. I believe, Shinnecock. So like the the U.S. Opens had a lot, like Beth Page, Shinnecock, Wingfoot. They've all hosted um, the Northeast, which is very. I mean, June in the Northeast is beautiful. Yeah, like, they have great weather because when they took Brookline uh, and the Brookline. The, yeah, that was well, yeah. when they took uh, Wingfoot. The year Bryson won, they played it in. Was it September? They played. They played it late. Yeah, that was so, COVID, right? Yeah, so and that course was way different than if they, if they played it in June. And they sure. were actually t- worried about the back end because it was getting more late in the season in southern New York. Now you're playing in September. So these guys get it in May. Obviously, the course is in great shape. They have the best of the best working on it. But you really wonder with, like, you know, Look at playing the PGA. Screens, and you, is that the God. first frost delay in PGA history? That's a good question. Well, they they have – I was watching some of the Golf Channel coverage over the last couple of days, and they spent the last three – they've treated the last three springs as if they were ho- – like they were trying to test ways to get the course ready in those conditions coming off of winter. That's got to be a challenge, yeah, because they got this event when it was an August event. I'm looking, I have, so next year it's at Valhalla. 
then Quail Hollow, which is what Charlotte. Yep. yep. Then it's in Pennsylvania in 2026. Is that Aronimic? Ar- yeah. Then it's in Fris- PGA Frisco, Texas. Olympic Club, Baltistral, Congressional, and then again at PGA Frisco. So it looks like they're branching out on some new courses here. Because Frisco must be new. Yeah, because it's twice. It's in a, a Frisco is where Texas, Texas. Texas. So um, it's in it's in Quail Hollow though in 2025. Because yep. I think. Yep. Ooh. Well, that's so, a hop, skip, and a jump away from. From where, Jared? North Carolina, boys. That's um, right. That's uh. Well, next, uh, Pinehurst two, isn't too said, far away from there. Well, you said what two years? Well, Pinehurst is now in a rotation like for every the five open, or for the open, years for the, the open, open, right? Like for many years, I think it's every five years they're playing at Pinehurst for the open. Well, I'm just saying, if it was open in 2025, we want to go. Uh, 2025, I'm going. Beth, that's the Ryder Cup, right? I'm going to Beth Page. The next, the next U.S. Ryder Cups, the next U.S. hosted Ryder Cups at Bethpage. Right, we're going to go to that. 2005, 15. If we want to go to Pinehurst and then finish that trip off with a PGA Championship in Charlotte well, before we come back. Ronimick, I think, is down like central mid, like central east of Philly. Or not Philly, but Pennsylvania. So I'd like to go to that one. That'd be a good one. The only, so this is the problem. The PGA, I don't know if I'll ever attend again because my daughter's born on the 21st, which is this Sunday. So it's a Sunday. So I was supposed to go to Bethpage a couple years ago, and she was born. It was 19th was the final round. She was born on the 21st. Wow. So I pretty much am not going. I'm going to be able to go to like the early rounds, but. How old is Oakland now? She'll be four. Wow. Yeah. So, so I, this is where you put a golf club in her hand so that yeah, she wants to go. I know. I got my thoughts well, exactly. Yeah. I got to give give her a little bit Birthday more time. Birthday trips in, in, in 10 years, maybe. Jeez, I don't want to go. 10 years. I hope we don't have to wait that long. No, 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 she'll have a club. Fourteen? That. That'd be a perfect time to take her. Yeah, I mean, I was like I said, I started to go. I was thirteen when I went to this one. So the the one thing I remember about this course when I oh is that you drive that? Yeah, I got up there. That's that's up in the or that's a <laughs> that's an elevated green too. Um, so when we went to uh, two thousand three, we ended up you know you, you know when you go to a place you just randomly grab a hotel and you go down and stay there. Yep. So we're thirteen. It's me and Mike, the guy you played the other day. So we go oh to this. Oh my god, this is great. So we show up, we're 13 years old, we got our dads, we're like ready to go, this will be fun. So we roll in, and all of a sudden we like look and we see like these like escalades roll up, and they all have like the Oak Hill like thing, emblem on the side door. We're not thinking much of it, we're like wow, there's a lot of these cars here. I don't know what day it was, we went down on a Wednesday, so we watched all four rounds, came home on, on um, Monday. And I just remember seeing all these cars, well we started realizing that the pros, a lot of the pros were staying in that hotel. So I, I, I wish I, I should have brought it. I still have it. It's a flag. It's like a it's a Oak Hill flag that I probably have like twenty five to thirty signatures on. And that's sick. We got photos with like Padraig Harrington, Mike Weir. Mike Weir was in our hotel. Mike Weir. Now this is two thousand three. This is August two thousand three. April twenty twenty. I uh, April of twenty. Sorry, 2003, he won the Masters. I was going to say. So he was the reigning Masters champ. So he was there. Ian Poulter was there as like a rookie. Um, his story for winning the Masters is, I can't, I can't remember much of it. It's crazy. Mike though. Weir? Yeah. He won in the playoffs. Just his career is, is crazy well, Mike, too. So I just remember Mike Weir was down. We're sitting. I'm my Me and my dad are at the counter. We're talking to whatever the, my dad, I don't know what we were doing. Like Not checking out, but grabbing something from the front desk. All of a sudden we're standing there and this guy comes and we both look. It's Mike Weir. Like comes up to the desk. And Mike's like, hey, do you guys have a paper? Again, t- 2003. So, like, not a lot of well, – he wasn't, like, Twittering and all that stuff. So he just goes up. He's like, can I get a paper? And she's like, um, 
unfortunately, um, oh, she goes, yes, it, it's a dollar. And he goes, can you, can you just put it on my room? She goes, well, no, we can't do that. So he's like, that's fine. I'll go up to my room and I'll get a dollar. And she, she has no clue who this guy is. So my dad like turns to him and goes, um, Mike, you want me to, want me to get that paper for you? <laughs> it, it was it was a buck or whatever. It was like the, you know Saturday paper or something like that. And uh, he's like, no, 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 I'm good. And he was like super nice about it. And he signed my thing. He's like, no, I'll, I'll be fine. He, he literally walked up, grabbed his stuff because me and my buddy were camping out in the lobby because the guys were coming oh, in. Of like, course, hey, can I get up? Mark Kalkovecchia. You know, there was Duffy Waldorf. I don't know if you remember him, um, but there was like there was a lot sweet. of good guys. And one of the you know they have like the PGA pros that play this. Like so, there was like twenty or so that play each year. One of them was there with his girlfriend at the time. I say at the time was with a girl, his girlfriend, and they like let us get in their car and like check the car. It was like a massive Escalade. Obviously, these guys weren't like this wasn't like Brooks Kepka so cool. bringing us out. This was just like a guy is like I'm. This is pretty cool for me too. So he let us mm-hmm. like all look in. We we're two like thirteen year old kids like loving this. That's great. Um, so we have like good memories of it. But this course was a really cool course. I um so in the. And this summer, my wife and I were heading out to um, uh, Niagara Falls. And I have family in Rochester and just picked up a hotel in Pittsburgh. Just we were looking to, we were going to have uh, lunch with my family, my aunts and uncles in Rochester. So I just grabbed a hotel in Pittsburgh. Just, I don't even know, Expedia or something, just grabbed one. So we go and there's a busy street and we're walking down to a restaurant to get something to eat. And I look over to the side. And I see a golf course, like through the, tree, you know, off the tree. So I kind of walk over and I look, and then I one of us. <laughs> so then I, I go on my phone and I pull up the map of where we are. It was Oak Hill. It was on the other side. No kidding. It was in Jeez. Pittsburgh. I actually went. We went. We drove. When was this? You said this was in uh, August. So um, we were going to visit family, and we just happened to get a hotel. It wasn't. It was just like a cheap, like just stay for the night hotel. But it was right across from it's it's the backside you know it's not like you, you, when they show pictures it's of homes and people in the area sure. this is on the like the one of the sides of it and so, so cool. we drove i have a picture but we drove and kind of followed our way in and i took a picture right at the entrance to Oak Hill because these places they bus people in or you know yeah. a lot of yeah. their entrances are yeah. you know, it's not like magnolia lane you know it's just like an entrance to a club mm-hmm. um and most yeah, like of them are neighbor- back most of them are neighborhoods too you, yeah, know, right. exactly you have right. no clue that yeah. the, half the time some of these courses like there's very limited signage that's to, ex- like oh, yeah. the fact that there's actually a course there that's <laughs> exactly what this was and you're and you know you're driving and you're following the gps and you know, you put in Oak Hill, they're, they're going to bring you to the entrance of Oak Hill. So you're right. driving, and I assume what we were seeing is the West Course, but you're just in a neighborhood. And, you know, it's like, the, I would love to see the, the home values, but they weren't, they, it wasn't like a spectacular yeah. area of homes. Yeah. It's just like, you know, oh, wow, there's Oak, there's the entrance. I'm like, Beth, there's the entrance right there. And we pull over and look at it. My, uh, my wife lived in uh, Rochester for few years probably like three four years doing massage school out there and um i told her i'm like oh they're playing at oak hill and she's like oh yeah that's where i lived i'm like really and she lived 10 minutes away from oak hill like she's like oh yeah pittsfield she goes that's like a pretty you know affluent area Pittsfield, yeah she, oh, I, uh, maybe i was saying pittsford is it pittsfield pittsfield no is no it? you said the right one you oh did pittsfield? i say yeah um but i think it's she she was she was very well aware of it but she, it was like right in the middle of everything when you zoom in on it it's like it's not like this is off on the side road or whatever. It's like right in town, mm-hmm. but it's like you said, it's been built up around over yeah. time. Um, well, in most of those golf courses too, there's development that goes along. 
around the outside of it. Like mm-hmm. when we were at Myrtle, it was just it seemed like every golf course you drive through this neighborhood and all of a sudden, oh, there's like a pristine yeah. golf course behind all these houses. Well, so think about this: it was formed in 1901, and they're showing like early photos of the club. I mean, this looks like the old uh, old Port Kent Golf Club. Yeah, house. it does. Yeah, I mean, actually, like puts, does. put the money in the envelope and play. But that, that so 1901. So you got to think there was which are the best golf courses, by the way. Put the money sure. in the envelope. Honor system. It's like going to one of those like uh, CSAs where you just like you know grab some corn and throw in grab, throw in a few dollars. Grab your radishes and a few arugula and Brookline. Yeah. Brookline was was kind of similar in the way you just get up to it. it you know, I was expecting this like spectacular that? entrance, but you're just like walking past all these like very old school Boston triple decker know, houses, like, colonial yep. style. Homes, yeah, yeah. There you go. That's exactly. Like, <laughs> that's the entrance. That's wild. And and literally, so like, cool. <laughs> it's just like, that's okay. It's just like a little pillar sign. Yeah, so you were probably <laughs> yeah. like back there or something. Like, which the average person would be like, oh, what's that place? <laughs> exactly. It's look at that. Look at that. Oh my god. Look at that sand. What they do you guys sand like that up here? What do you guys think of Come that? On, Paul. Um, <laughs> what do you guys think of that new uh, proposal? I think it was. It went into effect. It's coming in a couple of years or something where they're going to force the pros to use different golf balls. You're going to roll oh. back the ball. Oh, uh, I, 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 uh, I really I think feel like that the... sucks because I feel like one of the things that's uh, great about the game of golf is it's a handicapped system and where you, play with you the same can, equipment as the pros everybody too. plays with the same exact equipment. So when you have a really good day, you're like, oh, this is how I still compare so to. I would. These guys. I would say. Or, you like, know, but it, there's always going to be that weird caveat of like, wow, like, you know, Ricky hit it 300, but he had to use that other ball. Like, how do I compare to? I think Ricky that's the thing, like, and I think the argument that yeah. I forget who was having the argument was, if you look at the statistics, even for the pros for fairways hit, they're not incredible. You know, it's not a hundred percent. The numbers of fairways hit are not huge. If you can shrink fairways, so because the biggest, obviously, the argument was these golf courses are saying we can't make these courses any longer without having to buy more real estate. So they want to shrink the courses because these guys are hitting so long. If you can do a better job from a course architecture standpoint, shrink fairways or even add bunkers, shrink landing zones, you can make a course significantly more difficult without changing the ball itself. So I kind of land in that sense that this is on the course architects more than it is on the equipment what uh at least that's my i mean that's kind of my thought process but obviously i'm not the usga i'm sure if like i was a member uh oak hill right and like i had the opportunity to play the east course after this is all gone like does that affect the year-round use of the course if it's like really been built for a pro so, or is it is it point. still fine, right? That's a good point. Or am I going to be miserable now because this course is so difficult for me? So, if you look but, at this hole right there, you see that you see the narrowed area. Yeah. So, what Andrew Green, uh, I listened to an interview or watched an interview with him. Oh, he said, wow. when you when you do a course restructure, you or redesign, you do it with the tournament in mind and the membership in mind. So mm-hmm. you develop landing areas for both. Yeah, yeah, but. The idea of rolling the ball back would be like, for example, another thing Andrew Green said is there's no more real estate here. Like they are right. maxed out. So you take a nice old course that's been a part of golf history and, you know, maybe you can do those things in narrowing and, and that looks like they've tried to do some of that right. thicker, rough, you know, deeper bunkers, yeah. um, different, uh, 
you know, original greens that have more hole areas for hole placements. Um, but these guys are so good. I mean, you're seeing what we did. I just saw a 367 yard drive on a, on a par four. Yeah. I Seb mean, Straka. yeah, like, I guess but that's a have... risk, but that's a risk reward. We just saw that. Yeah. I mean, did you see those bunkers that surrounded that green? Yeah. I mean, to jump it up right there, that's, that's a so, massive calculation that he's got to make. So what I, what I don't understand about the whole rollback thing is there's two ways you're going to be able to like overpower golf. If you stopped right now and you just said, okay, we're, we're leaving it. If all the guys like play around this level. So you're going to find two things. One, the human body or athlete can only hit golf balls so far and be relevant on the PGA tour. You know what right. I mean? Like That's even capacity, but I mean, you're taking like Bryson's hit it further than anybody. And By he, the way, they love this guy right now. I'm not listening, <laughs> but they can't stop getting enough of this guy. And you know who Dude, it reminds me of the one his best life, the guy that you guys told me about that always hit a piece from Canada. He always hit a perfect ball. What was his name? We, oh, we watched um, it last, yeah, last time. Uh, God, what was his name? Is he he reminds me of him. Mo Norman. Mo Norman. Is it Mo Norman? Yeah. That guy Mo, reminds me of Mo that Norman? video. Every time. Just right down the middle. Yeah. But Dick ESPN he, he cannot actually, get enough he of actually, this guy. He actually right said now. a line one time and he's like, Yeah, I can play in the dark. I know where it's gonna be. Down the middle. That's what, that, like he talks like that and it's like, Okay, got it. Like you can hit it straight. Um oh, no, wait, but, did you play sorry. that on the podcast? Were you playing a yeah. recording of that on the yeah, yeah, podcast? Yeah, yeah, I like, remember. Ta- ta- that. Like, like, <laughs> um, well, I think Tiger Woods said the only two people ever to perf- like truly control or perfect their swing ever was him and uh, Ben Ben Hogan. So, I mean, coming from Tiger, that's like the, he's like those are the two best guys that had complete control of their swing. But um, so the rollback thing, like an athlete. Athletes are always going to get better. It's just over time you evolve. So like the it's athletes, incremental though. At a certain point, that starts to shrink. Like how much yeah, better they I get mean, starts to get like smaller. You, and you smaller. might see the average drive now be three fifteen. I think. I think the problem. I don't think you have to roll back the golf ball. I think you just purely stop the technology aspect of like making them able to make the clubs go further. Mm-hmm. That's where you've lost most of it. I don't think it's the actual. You know, the athlete, yes, is more athletic and strong and stuff. And you could say, you know, back in the day, John Daly driving over 300 was an anomaly. Now it's the average on the PGA Tour. Right. But John Daly, back when he was using the clubs back in the 90s and was doing that, would he would be the equivalent of a Bryson today. I mean, John was just different, like different, you know, level of skill back then. I don't think you necessarily need to roll anything back i just think you have to stop the forward progress of the technology which i believe that's the part they don't want to do because Mm -hmm. callaway and taylor made and all of them makes a a lot of money every year by reintroducing drivers technology the the stealth versus the stealth so i'm sure i don't know if there's lobbyist kind of things in pga but i'm sure a lot of those companies are fighting to to roll the ball back we know 100 percent there's there's lobbying going on because they want the average, they want stuff, you and yeah. I to buy the five hundred, six hundred dollar driver each year that has versus the fifty dollar box of golf balls, obviously. Because Titleist yeah. still makes a ton of money but, but on this their is, golf club. But this is only going to be for the PGA pros. So like, you know, like what you were just saying, or well, both of you guys were just saying, it's like you can change the way the course is set up. You can do the bunkers. You can do. I mean, they've substantially made this more challenging without really lengthening the course. You can see the scores are kind of showing it too on the first. And I think those scores, but those scores historically are going to be in the same ballpark. And you could say, okay, technology is better and everything else is better. Absolutely, the courses are tougher. The greens are long, or the uh, uh, fairways are longer. The greens are more narrow. The greens are faster than they were back then. Like back, wasn't there something just posted? Like the stint meter used to average like seven, and now they're like thirteen, fourteen. Like they were putting on like carpet. We probably play on faster greens than they played back in the day. 
So they didn't have to spin the ball as much and they didn't have to do as much. Now when you got greens that are, you know, basically concrete, these guys have to be able to clip the ball and get the spin. So it's like it's a give and take. So you're gonna add the distance, but there's a lot of other ways. I mean, take and I'm not even saying take technology. Like don't give Jack Nicholas the new technology. I'm saying have those old guys go play this course or vice versa. PGA Tour Pro played those courses back then. They'd be shooting like oh, lights 15 out. Lights out. Yeah, but if crazy. you take those old guys and put the technology that they played now, they couldn't break par. And I think it's just the fact that like as the courses have gotten tougher, they've used that to keep up with technology. I think you mm-hmm. stop the technology so you don't have to keep the course catching up to technology. I think the the likely, I mean, the likely argument that they're saying though in that thought process of cost, like. Okay, so you do a redesign of these courses. The, You're the talking way, about tens of millions of dollars. Doesn't whereas if you roll back a golf ball, that's costing zero courses, mm-hmm. zero dollars. Yeah. Right. So I mean, from a cost perspective, it makes way more sense to roll back a golf ball. Yeah, because look, at Oak, I mean, Oak Hill's trying to remain relevant in these circuits, so that's why they're doing what they mm-hmm. did. You're right. It was a multi, but they it had tens of millions of dollars to redo to redo a course like that. But I they mean, they say the average the course though. They the just, average they added two hundred. They did add a little. It's seventy four hundred yards, so they did add some length. How much you said? Do you two, know? I think a couple hundred yards. You know, they're they're playing on seventy four hundred. Yeah. Westport from the tips is seventy two. Yeah, really. That's, That's a, the closest thing around I, here. Did we do that together? Not or did I take Casey? That's a. That's, that's that's a tough course. That's yeah, a good course. that's a that's a that's a tough course from the, the oh, lights. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I, I, the tips. I think not that not that I want to mention. It's fun it, though. But it's a fun experience. The barracks from the blues is a good time. So is an Adirondack. Yeah. Have we played the barracks blue? What's, we have. What's Adirondack? I, have. I don't know if you blues. Have. You, you ever played the tips at Bluff? It's been a long time. Is it over seven? <laughs> yeah, no. we play them every time. <laughs> They're called the lights. But the when so when you were talking about like the pros playing like a like a traditional pro style um par three the barracks number seven from the tips is 215 to 220 probably so, would be the hardest part so, in the area so when you go yeah so when you go off of number six green and you normally we all kind of just like go over through that little shortcut but if you go the the long way on the cart yep. path around the the um tee box is actually behind that cart path and it's two i think it's two 15 or 220 to the green from there. I mean, it is a healthy, yep. healthy hybrid to get yourself to the green. It, it, I don't know if, if you've ever been back there. I mean, you know, on number 10, I love the tee box on 10, which I think is the coolest tee box in the whole area oh, at the barracks. Yeah. Um, but that tee box looking at number seven from back there, it is daunting to, to think that you have that far. Plus you have to clear. I mean, that's a hundred percent carry. To yeah, hit that hole because right you got the water right there in what, front. What's the, what's the heart? What do you guys think the hardest hole is locally? Hardest hole in Clinton County. I mean, that would be if you're playing from the tips, but from the whites, the hardest hole. So let's do whites and tips. Nine at Adirondack. That's a tough. That's so tough. as a yeah. golf coach, that was our home course at Beatman Town back in the day, and I would tell kids play it as a par five. Because you know, don't even, don't even, especially because there would be so many matches where kids would come in, and you would get, you know, nines, tens on that hole because they they don't know how to play that hole. That was a huge home course advantage. Um, Lay up before the water, hit another shot, you know, and then just come in with a forty to fifty yard wedge because just disaster would happen trying to hit the ball too hard. Play for your bogey. Yep. 
you're not losing a shot to the field in a high or, school or the match. or the quote unquote birdie that's par. Yeah, par. Yeah. Yeah, I would I'd yeah. say nine's the hardest. I think nine at, might be the hardest hole. Well, it's in the hardest at Adirondack. I'm trying so to think you know what's other... a uh, we had this discussion when I was on your podcast before. A whole so I grew up at Bluff Point. So I lived in, grew up in Cliffhaven. Oh, this is played great. Bluff Point, yes. and so they have. When I was playing as a kid, there were no homes mm-hmm. down one and two. That we was just all. talking about this so, the other morning. So this the, is, this is the cool. green on number one was all the way over to the water, like towards the water. That that green there now is not the original green uh, on the first hole. So would you be thinking more like where the road is? Was oh, the green over there? Yeah, like really, yeah. you could actually, there. you could actually. Was the tee box to the left of the clubhouse? It was a, it was a, like the tee box now was like more like weekend or tournament tees. The the tee box was over to the left. It was a straightaway par four. And it went right down to the water. But you could actually, I mean, you couldn't really hit it in the water. But if, you know, you could be over that way because sure. that green was back there. So they moved that green over. And it was, a ni- it was a nice opening hole green. The hole that bothers me the most is the second hole because you used to be able to bail left. You could go all the way almost to the water if you wanted to. You could go to Lake Champlain on the second hole. So you would either try to cut the corner all right, and that was the risk, or you'd bail left. And if you, you know, if you draw, drew it a little bit, or hooked it a little bit, or hit it a little bit too far, you still had a shot into that hole. Sure. Now you can't. There's no option. If you go left too far, if you hit a driver or hit it too far, you can be in somebody's yard. You can't. There's no room for error on the left. So what my contention is is those trees need to be removed on the corner because you've taken you've <laughs> you are <laughs> you've the so the defense Dick wants to give you a huge uh, hug well, well, I, already I might the, this is the, our second I, he said this before the defense of that hole is the is the the green is a small green that has a severe back to front it's slope. the first if not second or first hardest green at bluff and it's tiny back and to front but right to left too. right yeah so severe so that's the defense of the hole I think they've made that hole just I don't think it's a fair hole based on the, uh, going back to the original design of the course. Oh yeah. sure, yeah. You could bail left, which gives you would would give you a full shot into that hole, which is still a really tough shot into that green. Correct. Yeah. And no I, matter where you are, like even if you hit a perfect which exactly, you have to hit a perfect shot down around that 100 that yard marker. That is interesting marker. though because that could give you an angle into the hole that takes the right left slope Right, it makes it, it it makes it back to if front. If you really wanted to pump one, right? Could you hit it? Was it that far where you, you could, could, you could? There was no, there was nothing. It, there turns, was no it turns that it turns that hole into sixteen, where you got a back to front lean instead of a right to left. Because yeah. if you're further yeah. left, like where Judy's house is, but, you're coming in on the upslope, so you theoretically could come in at a low angle, so, right? And you well, have we, more. We've talked about this before, with. though. When you talk about like a perfect tee shot, I would argue that. What you would normally consider a perfect tee shot on most holes is somewhere in the fairway. If you hit dead center on that, I mean, I know I've mentioned this multiple times to you guys, but if you hit we dead have, center, we have this conversation every time. But if, we're on but if you center. get up, and I, I've gotten to the point now, I typically take a seven or a six iron off that tee because no matter where I hit it, it's the only it's the only distance where I can have a possible chance of getting over those trees. If I, if I hit a five iron right, I'm I can't get over those trees, which is wild to think that. I've been in dead center in that fairway at the 150 to the right fairway, dead fairway, hitting the green, um, hitting at the green in regulation, and I cannot see the green, or I have to try to hit a ball 
basically aiming out of bounds and trying to cut it around just to get on the fir- green. And again, which with a which with a pitching wedge or higher is impossible. But it, I but my my, my point of contention is that if you're hitting, you're in the fairway and you're trying to hit at a green in regulation, and you have absolutely no shot at the green on a straightaway shot, that's a problem. That number eight, because I've, I've talked about it before. Yeah. It, that the right, not even the willow tree. Eight the wasn't whole, eight wasn't design based though. Eight is just the fact that those trees have been become overgrown. And that's one of the things that was ha- that happened at Oak Hill. They remove trees because oh, totally. they become overgrown. And and I agree, you know. I, and I I understand the idea of developing, you know, real estate. Uh, I get that, but the design of that hole was to allow for a bailout Mm -hmm. to the left. Since you've taken away that option, you got to, and those trees are, you know, I think they're part of the character and history of the course, but I I think it's time to remove them to make that hole. At least the first, the first tree, the first tree would give you another seven to 10 yards of fairway to, to work with. Like take, Um, take the, take the trees out and put another hazard right there or something, because then you hit the same shot Galen's talking about. And could, now you you imagine if, could you imagine if that but, was a if, if that was a uh, a put, fairway bunker right bunker. there like a, a big fairway bunker with a you know like the berm on six so you had that big berm on six yeah if you put a berm in and then a fairway bunker in the front i mean that creates a because re- then you could go for it yeah. right you could still go for it and you have a a bad shot right if you go it's, short because that's a tough bunker yeah, shot. absolutely that would be a really cool yeah. design if you did that I think he wanted a talking shot. But oh, it's fine. I know Ryan's got to go soon. And then yeah, we're yeah. Gonna shoot. I'm well, yeah. uh, no, I, I, I think that would be a better, a better layout too. Yeah, because because you should have something there to replace. But the, that would also cost forty grand. Probably replace the yeah. what, what makes like that, that hole challenging, but also make it less gimmicky. Yeah, yeah. That and I think I think our other argument though is eight, is it's just overgrown. Like it's just a matter of getting that cut back. I liked. I know Galen doesn't like the willow tree. I love the willow tree. I think if you keep it, it well it's groomed, not even the willow. It's the one on the right. I think it's the the right. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't yeah. think the willow should be there either. But I also see. I think I think the willow tree is great. I think it adds a whole another element to that hole that that is does it, fall in line with like the typical vegetation of our area. So it, I, don't, I don't. Well, I do get the risk reward part. Yeah. And, and technically, even if you hit on the left side, that tree is not high enough that you can't get over. You can hit it. Number over, two, yeah. you can't. Number and and number eight, that right tree. If I mean, I've been in the fairway on that on the right side, and I have no shot. Especially right now, there's times you're no hitting shot a, besides a cut. A aiming cut with at the a bunker, cut the left with a of the wedge bunker. from the fairway, yeah. and you're basically hitting and praying that's not going to hit a branch and drop yep. in the water. Yeah, if you're laying yep. up on a par, if you're laying up on a par five, your shot because you're you're willing to lay up, right? You're willing to now you're shooting for a par. So if you're laying up on a par five, it should that third shot should be a relatively easy yeah, shot to the green. Which it, the right literally, if you are, well, I have, we haven't been there since the leaves have have come in. I would imagine it's going to be even harder now. Oh, it's going to get harder. If you are sure. within, I would, I would dare say, less than five yards right of the fairway like, markers, you can't get like over that Like if you were right where, where he is on that hole, you couldn't hit the pin right now. I'm right. just saying if exactly. it's on the yeah. inverse, but yep. I mean, and he's exactly. in the fairway. The thing they did there, and this has nothing, this isn't the course, but the, the areas between, the area between eight and 18, that used to be a practice range. Like that's oh, all over. That, yeah. yeah, that used to be used to go and be, work on like hundred yard shots. And uh, when I was a kid growing up, that was a great, you know, if you'd show up to play because they, they had to have uh, if you juniors couldn't play until after two, so you might show up. And if it's busy, if they if they'd let you out early, if it wasn't, but if not, you just head down to that 
that spot and you could hit hundred yard shots, but they've let that. We don't have anything yeah. like that around here. That's a quarry, though. We need that. Is that house there? That house yep. is pretty old, yep, right? That was that there. House is there. Yep. Because Bob was saying at my office, because um, he was a member back in the late eighties, the good old days. Yeah, the good old days. Um, he was saying that when you came off eight, nine's Ooh. tee box was actually on the back right side of of eight instead of where it's it is right center. now. Was the, wow. it wasn't the tee box? Hmm. He's saying that your approach shot into nine actually was from the right it was on Dude, the other God. side oh so you would you would leave eight green and go to the right i, I just think see that so shot. i feel like i remember him saying yeah. that. yeah there may have been a t you know that might have been something that was there but wasn't like an it, alternate or, yeah, t-box it potentially been, but not yeah. the main i do one. have a vague memory but i believe for the most part it was where still it where is, it is right yeah. now for some reason i remember him saying that you could you could hit into nine on the right side i think for me and and i i, I need to hopefully start playing that's in Wow, is that Aaron Wise? I think the the uh, second shot on nine at the barracks. That's dicey. Is a tough. It's a shot that's tough because you don't see it very often. Like the right. that much elevation. I have a hard time with that shot. Sometimes. I think ever. Yeah, I think everybody does. Yeah, yeah. but I would that, say that hole is Ryan's nemesis. But I would say oh, yeah, so we were times. we were playing an early morning round once where Ryan was even par coming off of eight and i was playing i don't know i was like 42 or something at that point and not even ryan beautiful shot down down the middle of the fairway and i think it was what we finished around with third you finished that front nine with a 40 i think it was a 40 yeah it was it <laughs> should was have bad. been a mental health triple yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was bad because ryan was playing some amazing that you know what that might be um, hey what what's the uh what's the temp tomorrow I'm going with Steve if you guys want to come. We're going at 5 a.m. Oh, I, I, I got meetings in the morning. Um, okay. Right. Thank you for well, showing up. We'll just see you in the morning. See you in there. Huh? So we'll see you in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll expect that text later, right? Like 9 o'clock. Like you, you, we're so about so the morning around tomorrow. <laughs> at 5? What does the sun come up? He said, so we're going to leave. Well, he said that it was bright enough at f- this is the best thing about having a bunch of buddies that love golf. Um, you talk said, yourself into any. He said he was. He's like, so I was up. So I was up this morning, and at exactly five oh seven, it was perfectly bright enough to see your golf ball. <laughs> <laughs> that's the nice thing. I I would say that's the awesome thing about Paul, though, is he lets us go out Abs- and yeah. grab a cart early in the morning and play around. Oh my god! Um, be, as early as we can. It will be forty four tomorrow at five a.m. Yeah. And it'll be fifty by it'll be fifty by six a.m. Uh, like fifty five by six a.m. What are you guys? What are your rules about? Like, will you play in any eight or nine? Does rain? Rain? Do you play um, in at all? Do we? Do I play well or will I play? No, yeah. Like, does the, do the conditions? As long as there is sunlight and they let you on the course, do you play or do you have a line? Depends on the rain. I don't Depends think we level of rain. Yeah, I don't think we've ever gotten to the situation where we're playing our own ball in the rain. Like a heavy rain, maybe a little light, a light rain, but I don't think we've ever played where I'm going to keep playing through because it was raining. Last year, I walked off number seven after rain. It was that bad. I was with Andy and another guy, and we uh, we got through like I think it was seven, and I'm, I was freezing. I like I couldn't hold my club. My hands were um, yeah. It was middle of summer. Um, I would say if it's if it's like a steady, 
If it's like a like a light, steady rain, I'm okay with it. Once it starts getting heavy, I'm, I'm like out. a mist, like a misty. Just it's just well, you know, like when it's running and you're getting wet, but you put an umbrella up and it's not it's not really affecting your actual swing and it's not like super windy. Mm-hmm. I'll be I'll be fine playing in that. If it's super windy and you're hitting a golf ball and like your driver's going 150 yards, then I'd be like, yeah, like the flagpoles are like this. Like I don't want to play. I've played in that before at Bluff. We played one time where we had fr- a friend visiting from out of town. Um, <laughs> And it was about 45 degrees with a light drizzle. And when you got, I'm good right now. When you got to number five, the wind off the lake had gotten so severe. I think we, I think we had gotten to about 25 mile an hour, consistent winds coming off the lake. So we get on five, (laughs) we get on five and one of my buddies goes, I'm pretty sure you got to put it over the water. To even oh, have yeah. a chance oh, been, to get this in thing on the green, yeah. and so we were. I think I think Rye was there too. I'm pretty sure we all hit at least two, if not three, balls just messing around because you could literally just poke one out twenty yards over the water, and these things were coming back in left to right, yeah. right into the green. Yeah. I think I don't think anybody. I think we all kind of like slow, like maybe that front left bunker we'd hit into, or like the top of that mound or anything. But and it was. I don't remember the rest of that round. And I remember it was a terrible round because, I mean, the conditions were just awful. I mean, we were all frozen. But I vividly remember being on number five and just how fun it was to throw a golf ball out over over the the water and have it come, you know, left to right 30 yards back into the green. It was so much fun. There used to be trees all along that back in the day. Yeah, that's what they said. Were there hedges too or something? Cedars? Yeah, it was kind of like, yeah, they were thick. Yeah, I don't even know what type of tree they were. It, it was, uh, I don't know if somebody's listening to this and they they were back from that era, they would know. He's got, Galen's got the, I think the Galen's book. got the old, uh, yeah. the, bo- the book, which I think it has pictures of number five yeah. in it. So you used to, you know, throw it out over the trees, we would say. You got to throw it out over the trees and watch it come back because, yeah, that's wind coming off the lake. It's Can, a lot. I yeah. mean, if you get, in, even, even if you get a little bit of a wind, like, because it's picking up all the way through that bay to come up to the yeah. hole. Then you hit six, your tee shot, and you just want to get it up there and see if it'll just keep carrying. It's, yeah. Wind at your back. I remember one time I was playing, of course, by myself, so nobody believed this. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm I'm not a long hitter. And I remember we had a stiff wind coming out of the north, which is rare uh, to golf in a north wind around here. And uh, I was on 14. And I said, ah, whatever, I'll take out a driver. I'm not a long hitter. And I hit... (laughs) I hit the green and I couldn't believe it. Oh my gosh, I yeah, broke the yeah, green. Yeah. This is incredible. And I had probably uh I don't know, fifteen feet for, for an eagle putt. I proceeded to par though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's a I've I've always had fun on number five. I think five is it's funny, like five if you just took five and put it in the middle of the average golf course where there's no water on the left. I think that turns five into a significantly easier hole. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that mentally there is water on the left, it just does something to you. Sure. You naturally, it makes it that much harder. Plus, the green is, that, that green is definitely protected. I mean, it's got the bunkers, but just the fact that it has those two berms that come up, yep. and you see that really small entrance into the green. For the amount of time I've hooked the ball into the, the lake there, the lake it never crosses my mind when I on that tee. Like, I've totally, like... I, yeah, I bet you less. I'll probably hit it in that water half a dozen times this year, purely on just like a missed swing. Yeah. It doesn't like mentally mess with me. Um, just happens. 
Yeah. Um, no, back to the hardest hole question. So you said you think number nine? I think nine just by nature of like nine feels like a par five. But I would argue that I would argue that nine at you're right. Nine at barracks is a pretty, just that, pretty that's hard a hole. High, that's a, quite the elevation. You just don't see that. I mean, are there any other shots like that in the area where you're hitting that to to that high and elevated green? No, I don't think so. the The thing that's crazy though is like it's on paper the distances. Even if you factor in elevation, it shouldn't be that hard of a hole. But I think it's because the distance between you and the green versus what club you would naturally think to take makes that hole that much harder. I would still say that nine at Rondek for being a par four is. Is a really so hard I, so hole. I think three at bluff is in the running. Oh, that's a yeah, that's, yeah, a, really that's, a, good that's a good one. I think I'm trying to go down through. Uh, I mean, I'll I, have a problem. I, I, birdied, I birdied three at, at bluff on Friday. Did you? Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, this for the first time in my life. <laughs> on and two, or did you chip in? No, I was on and two. Um, that's if you hit the green and two, that's a win on that one. Um, it's the best I've ever played that hole ever. I would say 13 at bluff. The par three. Yeah, um, that's, that's a, tough a really one. tough hole, yep. too. That's I would say distance. 16 at Bluff's tough. The par yeah. three. And then that would probably be my... I'd probably say number three and 13. 16 is not as hard as those two, So even though the green's really tough. I, 16. The thing about 16, you can get up and down. If you bail left on 16, you have that easy look into the... Like, if you literally... If you went into 16 and said... I'm going to hit to the front left in the rough. No matter where the pin is, you've got a pretty darn easy shot to get up I, and down. I would also say the chances you double 16 are significantly lower than if you double 13 or you double f- uh, 3. Like You don't get a lot of doubles yeah. in 16. Yeah. Like You get a lot of bogeys, but not doubles. Like Number four, number 13, I've seen a lot of doubles on that hole. Mm-hmm. And then on number 3, I've seen a lot of doubles. And I would argue the part number 4, maybe it's just me, I... I can't i have such a hard time with that hole it's a straight i mean it's just straight away but i struggle to make par on that hole but when do you but when do you double or triple that hole though number four yeah (laughs) every other round what is that is that like five it's the par five no no like how long like five it's about 500 maybe 520 yeah yeah Yeah. but it's you got trouble all the way down in the sense of like if you just hit the ball straight, it's three shots you get on. The greens obviously got a pretty severe slope, but like the top part and the bottom part are pretty flat. It's just yeah. that middle section. But you can have that wind coming at you though. That can be yeah, tough I, at times. But it's just yeah. like the elevated tee and and really like it's not a wide landing area. It's something about how narrow it is. It's a narrow tee shot. Is that tee box? Is that a tee box that points to the to the cabins on the right? Is that is that a is it straight on, or is that one of those tee boxes that kind of? I think leads it's straight, you? but I think your eyes get pulled more right based on the way the hole shapes and the one on the uh, par, the one on the well, left. Well, the fact that the 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 hole naturally kind of seems like it, it appears like it comes in with the cabins on the right though too. So it's not like a traditional hole where as you come out it kind of widens a little bit. Like, in, like in it's theory, pretty if you narrow the whole bash way it down. down the, if you bash it down the left side of the fairway, you should be okay and hit a good shot because the trees on the left come into play if you don't hit a good ball. If you hit a solid shot and like, well, I got I got a hold of that, you're gonna roll down to kind of where that you know what I'm talking about. They always have like a little yeah. roped off area. Yeah, if you hit left with just a little cut, like unless you hook it, like the trees on the left shouldn't be that big of a deal. No, because you should be able to hit past them. It's right. Like, it's kind of like a like maybe a slightly off. You hit off the toe or heel and you get caught up like 240 out in that tree. Um, 
it's going to be interesting when when he wraps around two more cabins though in that area where everybody that's a that that's yeah but that's not going to affect the play though if they put it behind number six that's not going to affect any of the, the he's not oh i thought he was going to put one in that in that little catch area where that tall grass on the right Oh, they could. I don't. I didn't hear that, but uh, maybe uh, right there, like because yeah, he's talking about wrapping, wrapping uh, two or three more They're cabins like around the back side of number it. six green. I mean, somebody's gonna be sitting on the. I've hit. I've hit a cabin before. Oh, I've hit the roof of a cabin. There's before. a lot of dents in that first yeah. one for me. I've hit that roof. <laughs> I've hit that roof more times than I care to admit. But um, it's it makes quite the sound too. When you imagine being inside those, I don't know. Is that a good cabin to get, or is that like your... well, we went? We got the last one down on the on the right, like all the way down by the fourth green, and that was perfect. That was awesome. That's the best. That's, that's like the penthouse. So one quick. If you had to buy so one. quick story about that. So we went, and then we tee. We probably we teed off too late the night before Friday night. Yeah, and uh, it was dark by the time we were coming up eighteen. So we kind of whacked our way up at eighteen. I mean, we might have even, I might even be remembering wrong. We might have even quit early because it was so dark. And then so we were hanging out, just kind of shooting the shit at the cabin, and we decided, hey, let's just try to hit something. We know roughly where we know roughly what our distance is. We know roughly where number eight green is. We'll whack a few balls. I think I hit one. Four. Okay. I think Alec, Alec, I think actually duffed one and he hit a second one. Yeah, like Scott, and we're, then, this is perfect. I'm just showing him bluff point. Yeah, and so Galen gets up. We stayed like right here. Okay. So we're hitting like basically this shot. Sure. Yep. And he's Galen gets up and you just hear this little. You just by hear the this way, click. I played horrendous during my round. <laughs> you just hear this beautiful click. Yeah. And it's just like, that was a good shot. We get up in the morning. And you hear it land. You hear it. Yeah, you hear that pitch black can't hear that thing. land. We get up in the morning and he's about four feet from oh, the pin nice, nice. on the top level. It was so great. That shot hit all day. <laughs> it actually legitimately <laughs> was. That shot hit all day. And it was about ten thirty at night. <laughs> Pitch black. No, Alec ran up and saw it with the. Remember he got. Oh, in the did car. he? I thought we saw it in the he morning. He took his no. He took his phone out and went and, and took a photo. Oh, of I don't it. remember. I think that we left part. it there till the morning. But he went up and. It, yeah, I remember it was, seeing it in the morning. Maybe the width of this table from the whole. Yeah, it was close. so close. That was Those a, cabins change how that. The afternoons at Bluff Point, having uh, it's a lot busier in the afternoon than yep. it ever used to be. Yep. Because um, you used to be able to make a tea time at like two o'clock and just fly around that. And place I think and, that's the and I think that's the biggest dilemma with Bluff now is Bluff really needs, at least on the weekends, Bluff really needs a starter and a ranger because you they, because of the cabins. Yeah. Because I I forget was it was it you Galen that was telling me or was it Aaron that was telling me that um, they showed up for a tea time, pretty standard, like 10 a.m. tea time, and they caught up to the group in front of it. It was two sixums. Um, I bluff? Fr- yeah, because it was people in the cabins. They just let them go out sixes. Ooh. And it's just like, of course. I mean, that's going to hold That's sure. gonna hold traffic yep. up all yeah. day long. I mean, I get it. I'm know? all good for six people if there's nobody on the course. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, you're just going to play with some buddies. That's fine. Yeah. But, yeah, if you got a group, you can't do that. Especially that early in the day, too. Um, I mean, because six is you're everybody's going to catch up to a six. So bluff right now is a hundred. If you go Sunday through Thursday night, so I'm assuming that means a Thursday night, like a Thursday Friday round, you get two rounds of golf and a stay for 104 bucks. Yeah, that's, and it, it's it's. I mean, we ended up. I I forgot what day we actually went on. Um, like, and then if you go the next time, it's only one round. So, like, really, obviously, the midweek's the time to go because you get two free rounds. But, sure. So, I, I would think the best one to do is you play, like, a like a Thursday, like, twilight round and then spend the night. And then in the morning, get up and, and you know, play some kind of early morning round or yeah. mid-morning. Um, have you stayed in those? Before? I haven't. Are they nice? Yeah. Are they? We, 
I was surprised. Uh, we ended up bringing a bunch of food, so we like we teed off way too late. I think we teed off close to five o'clock. Yeah. So we came up eighteen, almost in pitch black, and we started cooking dinner at like nine thirty at night. So it wasn't the best like planning on our part, but we had we grilled. We ended up making a bunch of food. We ate. We had like the outside. Uh, I think we had like a little fire. You had the uh, you have the porch outside that you can sit on. The only, again, the problem with us is we the cabin was basically like we cooked and slept. Yeah. So we didn't really get to like if we could do it again, we would probably tee off like noon, get done at four, and then you have like an evening to spend on the deck and have around the bonfire yep. or go down by the beach and hang out. So we didn't do it correctly. We basically did the I think like the parenting hack of like we, we went out as late as possible and played as early the next day. So I think we played two rounds and stayed in probably like 15 hours yeah. or something so it was in and it, out yeah it really wasn't um we didn't t- take advantage of it but the the actual place was good bed was good the, be- the bathrooms were good you know the like small little efficiency kind of apartment kitchen yep. and a couple couches and you just put some music on have a couple drinks hang out with some buddies and then play play at night play in the morning so yeah that place has changed a lot so i worked there in high school and so the 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 area down below the pro shop and the starting area was underneath. Um, and then there was, was a locker room. So you would go down, you know, the, I imagine, you know, how the road kind of goes underneath. Um, well, no, we, we, we walked that the other day during the frost delay on the left side. So when you go, you know how you, when you get to bluff, you, Oh, in the little roundabout there by the entrance. Yeah. Well you, yeah. If you were to go down yes. below, that's used to be where the carts would go to start. And the the pro on the, shop on the left. Yeah, the pro shop was That's underneath. That's where we walked. Well, he's saying in between. So when you go up the back, the back way up to the I see the back way. When we like walk up to where carts are on the right. If you go on the left, you know when you, there's like that little entrance that goes into the pro shop. Yeah, sure. If you go just the left of that, it goes underneath to comes out by the first hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That used to be the pro shop. Used to be down there. I used to oh. work there in high school. And then um, there was a locker room. Uh, down on the other side with that's what, yeah the facility. locker rooms were over there upstairs was a restaurant and bar like right in, uh where the where the the pro shop now in the starting area that was a full restaurant and bar um, and then the left where they've torn down was the old locker rooms right that was underneath the the locker room was downstairs so was that like just like a ball like yeah it was like, room, yeah, but like a conference room almost yeah it was right this there? big area for with tables and yep Oh, the view and everything, yeah, especially now, the view is yep. even even better. It was oh. all opened up, yeah. Um, yeah, we went over there and we were just kind of because of the frost delay, we were just kind of walking around. And we're like, oh man, I can't imagine what this must have been yeah, like. It was nice it was back really in the nice. '80s and '90s. So I've got to ask you, just because you know, coaching Galen's coached a lot too, and Ryan, I wish he was still here. And you had to coach Ryan. So yeah, props to you. Coach. Yeah, <laughs> like Ryan. I don't know if he's ever told you this, but I'm pretty sure that you live in Ryan's mind as like one of his best coaches he's ever had. And like most just, quoted coaches. Oh, by far the most quoted. Coaches. I feel you coach me, Scott. Oh yeah. yeah just honestly, via, like via Ryan's I've, lesson. I've, I've literally co- thought myself. about, thought about some of the things. I'm not going to tell you what me. I shoot. Cause that's <laughs> yeah. going to like that. Yeah. But, but like thinking back, I, are you still coaching? Are you still doing a golf? Are you still a golf coach? Or? No, I coached golf for so uh, basketball was my sport growing up, uh, and then I coached. Um, I played for Rusty Bigelow at PHS my uh, in high school, and so you know I was I was like a, a three or four on a high school team. I was like middle of the road, um, but I enjoyed the sport, and then. 
uh, a position opened up at Beatmantown. So I started, I coached for nine years there. Um, but I, I always said, you know, one of the, one of the Caitlin Mannix was a division one golfer. She, she played at Siena. Yeah, yeah. She played, I say she played for me, but like she, uh, we had a letter of intent signing after one of our matches. Cause she played, she played, uh, she it's boys sport. So she played the whites. She played, everything was boy. There was no girls state championship at the time. Wow. Okay. So she had to compete against the boys. She had to play from the whites. She, and she, she her senior year she gave it a nice run at sectionals um didn't qualify for states but she did really well still though i mean it's yeah I'm, uh, it's just so impressive in her mindset she was so mentally strong that whole group i love that group but um i would credit based on what i've heard ryan say i would take a little accolades or well, a little credit for so, that mental strength so, for some of these guys well i i we had a letter of intent and the team was invited to her signing at Siena and they asked me, you know, can you say a couple words? And I, I said, uh, I had more impact as Caitlin's sixth grade English teacher than I did as her high school golf coach <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, she, she was just so good. But, um, I, I just kind of take, took my love of the game and, and just, uh, my competitive apps, you know, my competitiveness, but I also, I've run a conditioning camp in the area. So, you know, I would actually bring some of that aspect to it. And we do some strange things. Like for example, one of the things I notice when I coach high school golf is you play your season, you play nine whole rounds. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, if you want to do well at, uh, in sectionals, you got to play back to back 18 whole rounds. Mm -hmm. So you're going 36 holes over two days when you've just been playing nine holes, the, you know, the weather and the, the, you know, the, by the time you get to the course, how much, you know, sunlight there is just nine extra holes just, is a massive yeah. difference. So it was up to the kids a lot of times to, if you wanted to, you got to play on the weekends and you got to play multiple holes. And, and so one of the things I, I did one year because we had a good team, um, and Saranac Lake was awesome, and Plattsburgh was awesome, and uh, we kind of we had a year where we this, our schedule worked out. We had depth, and we did really well. And I wanted to help the, prepare the kids for for sectionals, so we met at Beatmantown on a like a Saturday morning. And I lived in Danamora at the time, and we walked to Danamora from Beatmantown. And I said, "I'll buy you breakfast when we get." It used to be a Cook Street Cafe. There used to be a restaurant on Front Street in Danamora. You walked and from Beatmantown High School from, to yeah, Beatmantown to, to Danamora. We walked to prepare. That was a way to like train for sectionals because you had to to be to qualify for states. You had to walk. Was Ryan on the team at that? Point? I think I th I'm pretty sure that was He's Ryan. Never told We've me. Never that. heard the yeah. story. Yeah, we walked from Beatmantown to to Danamora, and I bought everybody who, who I bought everyone breakfast. And then what's funny is Caitlin said to me after sectionals she goes that made a difference like i didn't do it like the the week before sectionals you know we did it i gave plenty of time because that's a walk that's a huge, wait that's so a how did did you go up jersey swamp yep we went up yeah and then all the way up leroy Manor. jersey swamp then down I mean, it's leroy a nice Manor. nice road but yeah. or a nice nice walk but that is not a flat nope, road nope we did that and and uh like i know with, ryan with would, bags or without bags? no bags okay. no bags <laughs> But, but Ryan, I would do things like, and Ryan, I think has told this story. I used to, I take bat, one pound bags out of weighted vests and I'd make kids carry the bags yep. it, just to get extra, you know, just smart stamina, stamina to carry something for, and so I kind of, I would try to do non-traditional things because a lot of high school kids, they just want to hit as far as they can. And they don't care about potting and, and they just want to hit the ball and they talk equipment and they talk, 
all these techniques. And I try to simplify things because the season's so short. You play courses and they're in their worst conditions of the year. Right. But I would like it. We, our home course was Adirondack. So I created uh, a short game course within the, the nine holes of Adirondack. So like on hole number one, uh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, um, or like you might tee off and you would have to hit it as close as you could to the, the, the 150 marker or the 200 marker, or you would, you would hit from, uh, the 150 marker and purposely try to hit it in the bunker. And then the hole started from there. Like, so the hole started from the bunker. So I would create, I created like a short game course from within the nine holes. So you would, I gave them different challenges to hit to certain spots and then the hole would start from that spot and you would keep score based from, on that, based on that course. So everyone would play that short game course because you, most of the game is from a hundred yards in, and especially at the high school level, we had putting competitions constantly because you would watch a kid and, and we all do this too. You would watch a kid you know, four putt from six feet. Mm -hmm. And so you would have different putting competitions or, um, you know, you do, you stuff, you see guys on TV, do you put, you put the, the balls in a, you know, around the, around the hole and you got to make every putt in the circle. And if not, you got to start over with your three footers. And, um, so, but with that group, Ryan was, was a great, I had him as a student. I had him as a player. Like he's one of those kids who bought in yeah. and you need those yeah. types of guys. Yeah. So, and then as he got older, I had him all the way through. So when other guys came in and they would see Ryan who bought in and they just assume that that's what you do, you just buy in. Cause that's what fall in line. Yeah. You fall in line. So, you know, to be a good coach, you got to have people like that who buy in or otherwise it, 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 it doesn't work a lot of times. And you try to make it interesting. And I would do challenges like Mariah, <clears throat> you ever played Mariah's golf course before? No. So it is, I recommend, I, I don't, uh, I don't mean to disparage Mariah, uh, but it, it crisscross. It's a nine-hole course, crisscrossing fairways where you got to keep your eyes open because you know one hole's going this way, another hole's going this way, and you cross. <laughs> and it's like a par maximizing the yeah, property. <laughs> yeah, it's like a par thirty-two, <laughs> and they're good. Like Mariah's, it's amazing how they've had some good golfers over the years because that's their home course. They're pretty close to Westport, so they can go there. Okay, and that's a tough course. But, yeah, but they Mariah would dominate. You couldn't beat Mariah on their home course, so. Uh, we would go down and I might say, we'd be on the bus and I might say something like, okay, you can only bring four clubs for the match. You can only have four clubs in your bag, pick your four. And then I would make the kids leave clubs on the bus and they for their, could only, for their actual for matches? their match. And, and they, we almost upset Mariah one year and kids came in with decent scores because you start thinking you know, high school kids, a lot of times in golf, your best, I mean, I, I don't want to take anything away from the top players. Those kids can play. Right. But like your kids who are just kind of marginal bogey golfers, you know, you know, a few strokes either way, you know, in high school golf, you could have a kid shoot a 42 and then the next day a 53 and then the next day a 46. That's, it's not uncommon to see that in high school golf. So you try to get them to change their thought patterns, you know, like play nine as a par five. You know, don't play nine as a par four, play it as a par five, lay up twice, you know, hit, lay up before the water and lay up before the green and then try to score from there. Um, so, and, and a lot of these things I need to apply myself because it's easier to, to work with other people than, and then when you go to apply it, cause when I go to the course, I'm like, man, I'm paying 50 bucks. I'm hitting my driver every hole. 
because uh, you know trying to but, get as long as I yeah, can. Yeah. So, but you know, when you're, those are the types of things that I remember from my time coaching uh, golf and just trying to to make it an enjoyable experience with some different thought processes. Ryan has a. I mean, has he told you the story when he hit the bird? Yes. Well, uh, uh, yeah. I've, I've heard never the heard the story. Just when we ran away a couple times. Yeah. Like a week ago, we brought this up, and I never heard it before. I think it was at Saranac Inn, if I recall. Saranac Inn, and I'd have to go hold by hole. He told me he hit a. He told me at Saranac Inn, we played a couple years ago there. He said, I forgot, it was one of the last holes, like maybe 17, 16, something like that. And you have to hit across the road, and he hit a power line. Yes. And the and it dropped the ball. I remember that. Yep. So I didn't hear the bird. Yeah, one. I think he. I think it was at Saranac Inn. He he. he he goes, I got a bird. Nice, nice. And he goes, no, I literally got a bird. I killed a bird. <laughs> and so um, I remember that year at our end of the year award ceremony, I bought him a, a, like, a, like a bird watcher's book. And uh, I wrote, I think I wrote an inscription on it. But he, he was just great. He was a, a great student in the classroom and a great kid, great family. Um, but, it, you know, that's what I remember most from coaching is kids who bought in and yeah. put up with that. Like, what do you mean? We're walking from... Beekman Town to, to Dannemora, yeah. I'll, I'm going to miss that practice. But we How had long a, did that almost take? every took a long time. Two, like over hours. two hours? Yeah, hours. I was going to say it's had to take a couple hours. hours. Yeah. And it was funny because we'd have, it was a Saturday morning, so kids had other, you know, and I didn't have required practice on Saturdays. It was more of an optional thing. So, you know, I have some kids, I, we had kids that would be dropped off along the way. Like they couldn't make it when we started, but the parents would drop them off. We'd be on like Jersey Swamp somewhere, and a car would pull up, and a kid would hop out and just start walking with us down the way. But it was neat. Yeah, we I don't even know how many ended up at Cook Street Cafe back when we finished, but it was probably eight or nine kids. Um, That's a hike. Yeah, it is. I think the two stories that Ryan probably tells the most the bounce are backs. the the bounce backs. You ever heard of this? No. So the ones the two oh. stories that I hear the most are four clubs. You have four. You yeah. can pick up four yeah, clubs, yeah. or uh, the other would. I forget what he basically said. We're playing today, and you can't touch your driver. Yes, at Adirondack. Those huge. were the two things yeah. that he said the most. And yep. he goes, "I mean, obviously, it's why Ryan always says Adirondack is not a driving course. You don't need your driver here nope. because obviously he learned that as yep. a kid." But I would say he probably brings up. Say, look at all those. That is, Jared. You see that? What? How oh, how open was? it was. Yeah. He probably brings up those the most, and I think he learned the most from that. Like to teach a kid that's 16, 17 years old course management, because we always talk about when we were kids, it was like, I need to hit it as far and as hard as I can and get to the green as quick as possible. And then when you get better, like the first step that gets better is, okay, I don't need to hit that shot at this point. Yeah. And so, Ryan, I mean, I, I would say it's ever, on a weekly basis that Ryan talks about that. <laughs> well, that's, that's flattering. Can I get this out? No. Nope. 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 He I'm hit like, it right I, off the berm. I'm surprised he went for that. That looks like something we would do. I, mean, I just looked. I'm like, I don't think he's doing <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to second guess him. but um, So I, I played in a, it was high school. I, I might have been like a freshman. So I didn't play on the golf team at all. So I was just, this was uh Willie King used to host a junior t- yeah, tournament absolutely. every year. So, and, and, and I actually, back when I played for anybody that didn't play high school golf and wasn't eligible for sectionals, that tournament and the Elks tournament were the two big tournaments for junior golfers back then. And, uh, so we go to Willie's and Willie's pretty much got the cream of the crop. It's like, it's like a mini sectionals basically he invites all these kids. And I got invited. I was at um, Willie's golf camp for a few years and he realized like I 
didn't play in a golf team. It was good. So I got invited to this. And the kid I played with was from Saranac Lake. Um, I don't remember the kid's name. He won the tournament. He didn't pull anything out more than a three iron the entire round. Every every tee shot, every par five every, was always a three iron off the tee. He never hit a wood, never hit a driver. He shot, I think, 79 and won the 78, won the tournament. Wow. So, yeah. But I just remember vividly like this kid going out and not touching a, a wood. The other thing about high school kids is when they put themselves in trouble, then they try to hit the spectacular shot out of trouble because yeah. your mindset I mean, as a kid is, oh, I can do this. I can. Right. And I, yeah. you know what? I do it sometimes too myself. Yeah, sure. Of course. But, you know, those are the types of things that, you know, the bounce back. For example, like when kids come in after a match, they read their oh, scores. The bounce, okay. Well, yes, yeah. yes. I remember so, the bounce back points. Right. Yeah, right. Point, the bounce yeah. back points. Yeah. He says that one of the most probably. Yeah. Because you would, you would, kid would read a score. You know, they'd come in and they'd say, you know, four, five, five. Five, four, three, eight, nine, six, you know, or something like that. Right. And so when and you're in that competition and you feel like I'm out of it, a bad hole, you feel it. So, and we all have bad holes in golf. The idea of, okay, that hole's done. You can't do anything about mm -hmm. it. Let's bounce back. So I would track that as a stat. If you got a, a par or a birdie, which, you know, doesn't happen as much after a bogey or higher, um, I would just keep track of those. We call them bounce point. backs. And then there would be like a competition, like a bounce back comp who had the I most bounce it. backs. And I think it's good. How did you like, I mean, was that something that you thought of yourself? Had you heard that before? Or? I'm not sure. Like a lot of times that, um, that would be just something I would develop after see, like you would see patterns on scorecards and you would just be like, man, what can we do to, um, change our mindset in those right. situations. So, I mean, did I, is it possible that I stole it from someone? Yes. Do I recall? Um, like I'll give you an example. I coached basketball for years and my favorite thing as a basketball coach was actually being an assistant coach, not a head coach. And so, um, one of the things I did in my, you know, uh, several years ago as an assistant basketball coach is I kept my own stats. I kept different stats than everybody else. So I would do, um, high fives. So like we had this, you could watch your games on, uh, now they have the NFHS, but we had, I forget the name of, uh, we had a video software that you would upload it and then all the kids could watch the game online. Um, but I would, at the end, after the game was done, I would rewatch the game. And so I would give, uh, my stats were um, high fives and pick up people when they fall and um, point twos, like if I see you point to somebody, like I would keep those type of stats. I would keep awkward stats. Mm. And it's funny when you start paying attention to those types of things, kids start paying attention to those types of things. And then all of a sudden you see kids pointing to each other after a good pass or picking somebody up off the floor. And I developed that at just watching. Like you're saying, man, we're missing something. What are we missing right, right now? And you would see, well, there's some, you know, some chemistry stuff so right yeah this how, is all like team camaraderie yeah exactly so kind of same stuff. type of thing you like you you're watching okay these are high school kids they're trying to hit the ball forever and that's not what's going to work right now so what can we do oh you can only bring four clubs today, and one of them can't be a driver and then kids come in and they're like oh my god i shot a 57 yesterday with a full bag and i shot a 46 today with four clubs and then you start to see them make those connections. And a lot of it's risk. Sometimes things don't work. You like you take a shot at something, you're like, yeah, that didn't work out. Right. But, um, you know, 
But you, but you quickly forget. You quickly say, "All right, that's not going to work. Yeah. Let's nix that idea yeah. and then move on." But then the stuff that works is the stuff that you end up remembering, yeah. like well, the bounce back like, points. Yeah, and he remembers. I mean, that's stuff you remember because he obviously remembers some of those things yeah. from now. And he again that buy. And Ryan's thing. pretty pretty damn good at like having a blow up hole and yeah. shooting a pretty yeah. good score on the next hole too. Um, well, the three like when we did the first year um, before the kids, it was me and Matt, and I'd use three clubs. So, and, so I use a, um, uh, what was that? A three wood, eight iron, and a sand wedge. And I didn't do four. Four would obviously be a putter, but I just didn't do four. And so you pick like versatile clubs. But it, the thing is, it takes the decision. You play so much quicker and you more decisive because like you have very limited options. And the other thing too is you get to learn the clubs a little bit more. So like, okay, you're hitting little three quarter punch shots. Maybe cut, maybe trying to hood down an eight iron and try to like maybe try to get an extra 10, yep. 15 yards out of it. Um, so I just found like as I was playing it, you, you just, I don't, so we ended the hole like on hole 15 or something like that. So I don't even remember what I would have shot, but I don't think it was that bad. Like I probably was on pace for bogey golf with three clubs. Yeah. And it was just purely because like, you know, long hole, three wood. And then it's like par three, eight iron, you know, some type of eight iron shot. Sure. You know, and, and even the ones where you're like, I'm not going to reach the par three, you're still going to hit it up to within a couple yards and you're going to chip the ball on the green and then you try to get up and down. And it, I might two putt, but I get a bogey. Hmm. But it's just such a straightforward play that you, you know, you, yeah, you well, really stay out of a lot of trouble. And you do. And you hit like, so say you have a long par three and you hit your eight iron, iron to a spot. It's not going to reach the green, but you hit it to a spot like, okay. If you were to hit that spot with a regular club, you would have been upset with yourself. Right. But the fact that you hit it where you wanted to with an eight iron, you're like, okay, that's not bad. I can handle it from that spot. Versus, it's a completely different mindset. If you would have hit that spot, you know, with a with a, a six iron, and you that would have been a bad six yeah. iron, but it was a great eight iron. So now you're yeah. hitting your next shot with the mindset of, hey, I did pretty well in that. Let's see if I let's see if I can get up and down from it here. Builds so much confidence. Because you're naturally going to pick the clubs that you feel confident in anyway, yeah. and then it's going to make you that much more of a confident player. Yeah, that's a – man. I mean, that's the thing with coaching too. Like I coach lacrosse for little kids. You coach kids in soccer, right? Soccer and basketball, G. yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, you, you try to think about like – like I think back to the – yes, the golf podcast, and here we are talking <laughs> about coaching, but I can't help it. But like last night, you know, I've got a bunch of pre-K to second-grade kids that – and I'm sitting there last night. I had a, I put together on Monday quite possibly the best practice plan I've ever designed <laughs> in my life. It was fantastic because I've slowly like parents have noticed it, too, is like I try to develop drills that are fun, still gets like the point across. But like not only does it get them working oh. on like, oh, wow, poor Ricky. That looked good the entire way. Not a, not only does it get a kids working on like you know like one aspect of the sport you know what I mean where you're like okay this is clearly just this but then you design that drill so that as a part of that drill you're working on some sort of spatial relationship between you and another player or you're working on like for the for the sake of a drill that I love you're working on picking up ground balls and lacrosse but not only are you working up on that piece you're working on the piece of okay so it's a ground ball drill. But then the added aspect is you've got to then throw to coach before the drill's over. So that means not only do you have to pick up that ground ball, but now you have to run away from pressure and get your hands free yep. and then throw to coach. Yep. 
And then we, I incorporate another level where it's like, okay, it's a two on one. So not only do you have to do all that stuff, but then you have to think about, okay, how close am I to that ground ball versus the other person? And can I box out versus letting the other person get pick up the ground ball? So I try to find these drills where you can get like three or four different things involved. And so I had, I've come to the point where I have these great drills and I think all my great drills came into one practice and they were met by the attention span of a seven-year-old. And by the end of practice, I had a bunch of kids that were just laying down on the ground. <laughs> so it's like it's, it's this thing where you like, as a coach, you want to do all... Because I think the other thing for me, the hardest thing of being a coach is I think naturally you think about, I know so much. And if I can just somehow puke this onto these kids and yeah. they can absorb it, they could be so much better than I was when yeah. I got to be in, you know what I mean? Sure. Like you have that desire to just build this in these kids and you forget that there's a progression yeah. that needs to happen. Yeah. So you could take, like I used to work at the, the you know how the, is it the Plattsburgh Lacrosse Club? Is that yep. what they, so they used to go, well, the crate is being torn down right mm-hmm. now, but they used to do a thing like a, a winter thing at the crate. And I would go and do some stuff there for, for my camp. Like they, uh, um, um, is it Keith, uh, Kane, uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Kane. Kane. Yep. So, Jer- uh, Jeremy would ask me to come and do some things. So I would do, I would bring, uh, flags. It, the kids would wear the flags. It's kind of like sharks and minnows. Like, uh, yep. you, you, once you grab the flag, you, you know, you, you know, the person with the last, last person with the flag, one of those types of games. And I would just focus on keep your head up. Like that's okay. the only thing I focus on. Keep your head up yeah. so that kids aren't always colliding. Um, and then we would do like obstacle courses around there. So like what you were just talking about, what popped into my mind was make it an obstacle course. So like mm-hmm. the kid have to do the scoop on one part of the obstacle course and then do the throw. And then they work their way around an obstacle yeah. course. And then it becomes a little bit of a game and you're getting those skills right in the game. Um, because you're right, you're talking about the age you have kids. Yeah, because who... you got to still make this thing super, super fun yeah. for these kids, or yeah. else their attention, their attention span is just going to eliminate their yep, ability absolutely. to want to do it. And uh, yeah, it's that's great. I mean, that's the thing though. I've, I've from what Ryan's always said about you is like, man, this guy just knows how to take something and figure out how to get kids to wrap their mind around it. And I think that's the, that's the markings of a good coach. Well, it's very nice of him to say that, but he, again, he's so, he was so easy to coach. Um, but it's, uh, no, it's, it's well, Scott, as we're going back and forth on texting with Ryan right now, do you, would you play in a scramble with our team? I would, would you be an honorary fourth I during would. the summer when you're free. Yes. I no would. jump camp ready to no, rock and roll. Yeah, I'm done. Jump camp. Okay, we'll, yeah. we'll get it. We'll, we'll do that. We'll make yeah. sure we'll, we'll, we'll find we'll, a tournament. We'll get a tournament. Sure. <laughs> One thing, did you see? The, was and he'll make us play with only four gloves. <laughs> we, we should do that. We that all just get fun. our own four we gloves. All, yeah, and our team yeah. collectively shoots a 59 somewhere. <laughs> was Tony Finau five over? Is that what that's? I, I think so. He's not playing that. too hot. What was Rom? What did Rom finish at today? Because he was Ooh, done when someone said he was six over. He at was one six point. over at one point. Yikes! It just must be how the course is setting up. It's funny that you say that because I, I haven't been tracking Tony, but I was. I was going to say, obviously, Scotty. I mean, this is... I mean, he's had a great... Is that Adam is, Scott? This is still going to be... 40-year-old-plus Adam Scott. 365, driver of the day. Adam Scott, the nicest guy on tour? Possibly. Possibly. So what I was going to say before, does Adam Scott look like he should be playing in, like, the 1995 U.S. Open? Yes. Look how he's dressed. Oh, that color the, combo? Like, the long-sleeve polo with, plat, like, a striped black and red, like, dark brown pants. Do you think... So going on a tangent, back to Tony, 
Do you think, obviously, barring his score right now, do you think the recent wins that Tony's had is going to break him into that like consistent top five going forward? World rankings? Yeah. Like, do you think he's going to get up there now? Now that he's actually had some wins? No, I think I think Tony's always going to be in that top ten finishes, but yeah, t- Tony's going to be like a, a top. 10 to 20 player in the world. Maybe when he peaks, might he might get down. I think actually right now he's like 8th in the world. Like He's pretty high up, 7th or 8th. Um, I don't think you'll see Tony get to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. No. You know why I don't think it is because, I mean, well, they kind of, the Netflix documentary kind of talked about it. He's too, like, family-oriented in a yeah. good way. I mean, like, good, look yeah, at, yeah. Not I'm that saying, look at these guys at the top of it. Now, I say that. Rom's got two kids and, you know, but... You look at a lot of the guys; they they very much are. But the other thing you got to think: how old are Rom's kids? Tony's got a kid who's sixteen, who and is golf. is on on his way to try to get into a good college to play golf. Yeah, so I mean, he's got to be pretty dedicated to that. But Tony's like family travels with him; he's yep. with him all the time. Like, I mean, you see him at tournaments; they're just like his wife and his kids are just yeah. chilling and like he the... he just won recently, right? Yeah, uh, twice. And then yep. there was a video of him uh, wherever he won. Oh, it was in Mexico, right? Did I think he, didn't he win in Mexico? I think you're right. And then there was a li- a course in that same complex or nearby in a resort that had lights, and he was playing. He was caddying for his older kids yeah. while they were playing the night he won. Yeah, there was video of him just kind of walking around with them on the course. Yep. He was carrying their bag. You saw that? Yeah, yeah. He, 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 he might be. He after. might be the greatest family man. I should. I on actually. Tour. Adam Scott's nice, but I think Tony is actually the nicest. Yeah. Go. But listen to some of these. So Finals plus five. Hatton, who was you heard a lot about before this tournament because of the courses, like ball striking stuff. Yeah, plus five. Fitzpatrick plus six. Rom six over. <sighs> Jason Day six over. That's like miscut status right there. Yeah, they're gonna have to come back unless hard. they turn it around hard tomorrow. I mean, we're near the bottom. I mean, I. What's J- what are JT and Jordan doing right now? I haven't. I was watching JT earlier, but I was obviously working. <laughs> so I was watching Actually, yeah, be, JT. I mean, I'm I, a JT. I really haven't done much today. I mean, watching wise. Yeah, I I tried to turn it on, and then ESPN Plus was well, not start to one, and I was just like I was, in my office. I was like in my own world today. Didn't, didn't get a chance to. Uh, Spieth who, who was say? three over. Uh, fin- he shot JT played early this week. Uh, early JT the morning. Was early. He was, he was, he was one was under at one point. I don't know what he finished though. I haven't come across him yet. I'm at plus two. I mean, like Padraig Harrington's plus two. Old guy there. Kepka's plus two. Gooch is Who plus Who am I looking one. for again? Ricky's plus one. We were looking for we were looking, Johnson. Uh, Jesus, we were looking for JT, but... Rory shot Thomas. one over. Colin Morikawa, one over. The Gala. Colin's really kind of dropped off lately after, been, the, after the years that he's had. He's got such a great golf shot to... Uh, like, his swing... Just to watch his swing with that. Justin Thomas, two over. Oh, I missed them. JT's two over. Two over. Boy, uh, oh, yeah. I haven't seen Spieth at all. I think he I said, said he's, three. Yeah. Did I say three? He's three over. Oh, you're right. Three over. Yes. Wait, did you see JT's interview where he was? He kind of opened up. He said, you know, it stinks sometimes when your mind's not straight. When you, it's a tough sport. I mean, these guys, there's such a fine line between the levels at this did, level. Did you see... Um, the, the only reason I'm really like semi into this, so my wife's going, um, she's in her last year of her master's degree in sports and sport and performance psychology. And I've learned a ton just like talking to her, you know, about her coursework and stuff. So yesterday they did a whole thing on live, you know, live PGA, whatever. And mm-hmm. I, I, I literally watch it every night. Um, 
And Brandel Chambly, I think, is one of the greatest analysts in sports. Like, like the amount that either, guy understands. And either knows he's and, got someone in his ear, or that guy just has like I think he just an legit, unbelievable knack for remembering. But he'll bring up guys from the '80s and compare them to the guys today. Compared to a course here, compared to like a stat from like the 1974 like Alex. BC Open. I'm like, what are you like? Where's this guy come from? He's pulling stuff. So, but they did you see the uh, the Giannis uh, interview? Did you mm-hmm. see that? No. I'll bring it up. Um, Which, like, Giannis has oh, in, like, oh, the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, Ante, Ante Kupo? Yeah. Yeah, yes, I did. The basketball we're, player. We're talking about what failure is. Yeah, did and, you see this? Yes. No, I missed so they this. Bring pull, it up, pull this they, up. They bring it up on the golf channel. So, actually, let me... I'm just going to pull this off for just a sec, the golf, so you can hear it. We'll, we'll come back, I promise. So, they, they got to bring... So, this, Scott, is actually how it normally is. So you can see what we're doing, but today is a, today is a special day. Uh, let me see YouTube. You're like, is this is, this is like on Rogan? Don't, who's the guy who's behind the scenes? Jamie, there? but I'm Jamie, the I'm Jamie, the Jamie. Jamie yeah. You're the Jamie. Um, so this was amazing. So this guy. No, I didn't see this. Uh, let me see. It's about yeah. It's about okay. Two two o five. We'll do the NBA one. Let me see. So Brandel brings this up because him and. Uh, Paul McGinley were talking about this and basically talking about like failure and basically like, Hey, you're, you're failing and everything like this. So Giannis gets up, uh, kudos to you for pronouncing his last name. I just, <laughs> I just bail out with Giannis. Yeah. Um, so let me see if I can get some sound here for you. Wait. Okay. Let me crank this thing up. That should be, there you go. Great answer. You saw this, right? Yes. I haven't seen this. You you asked me the same question last year, Eric. Okay. Uh, do you get do you get a promotion every year on your job? No, right? So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. Every every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal, right? Which is to get a promotion, be able to uh, take care of your family, to be able I don't know. Um, provide the house for them or take care of your parents. You work towards a goal. It's not a failure. It's steps to success. You know, and if you've never... I don't, know, I don't, want, to, I don't want to make it personal. So, there's always steps to it. You know, um, Michael Jordan played 15 years. Won six championships. The other nine years was a failure? That's what you're telling me. I'm answering your question. Yes or no? Okay, exactly. So why are you asking that question? It's a wrong question. There's no failure in sports. You know, there's good days, bad days. Some days, some days you are able to uh, be successful. Some days you're not. Some days it's your turn. Some days it's not your turn. And that's what sports is about. You don't always win. Some other other people's gonna win. And this year, somebody else is gonna win. Similar as that. You're gonna come back next year. Try to be better. Try to build good habits. Try to uh, play better. Not have a ten days stretch with uh, playing bad basketball. You know, and hopefully we can win a championship. So 50 years from 1971 to 2021 that we didn't win a championship, it was 50 years of failures. No, it was not. It was steps to it, you know, and we were able to win one. Hopefully we can win another one. You know, I sorry that I didn't want to make it personal. Because you asked me the question last year, and uh, last year I wasn't in the, in the um, right um, mind space to answer the question back. But I remember it. <laughs> so i remember it but like i mean the the idea behind 
like I just like the the, the thought behind it because yes. like the, and what they're saying in golf. Yeah. Yesterday when they brought it up, they said you're gonna play golf, and if you win ten percent of the time, you were all time. Yep. All time great. It's like baseball. You're you, you get on base three out of ten times, you're a hall of famer. Mm-hmm. You fail seventy percent of the time in baseball, you're a hall of famer. So, I just love the answer that he had. But they kind of talked about golf, like you're gonna get beat up so much because for the simple fact that you're not going to you know win all the time, and it's kind of like you deal so much with failure and failure that. These guys get always asked the question, like, well, how come you haven't won one? And it's like, well, I, I'm going to fail most look, of these times. Like, look, it's Look at all the pre-tournament coverage on John Rahm and how hot he is and how – and then he shoots a 76 today. I mean, and he's yeah. six – you know, the leaders are only four under right now, so he's within 10 shots. I mean, he, and he's amazing, but, like, what if he misses the cut? I mean, they – Golf Channel – Oh, use, they'll rip into him if he misses the but, cut. But they spent so much coverage per, on him and – you know, look all the names I just listed that were five, five or six over. Those are the premier players that mm-hmm. were talked about as favorites, and it's such a fine line. It's so. I mean, you have in basketball, you have the Miami Heat are an eight seed in the They're conference one final, right yep. and you have the um, Florida Panthers an eight seed yep. in the in the yep. the, fi- the conference finals or whatever. Yeah, they beat Boston. Yeah, it's uh, it's. I think that's the thing with golf though too that it's tr- they treat a golfer like they would treat a team right it's a team failing whereas in golf obviously it's a team you know because they always talk about we did this you know they're because they're talking about themselves the caddy and the caddy is so important they're talking about their team behind them that are training them and everything like that but at the end of the day it's a golfer making a golf shot whereas the team you know if somebody has a bad night your team might be able to help you i think that's why golf is like the ultimate sport in terms of some people are gonna if they make it this far in the pocket <laughs> they hear me say sport but like it's you at the end of the day it's you Absolutely. hitting that golf shot and if you these guys you know you look back on some of the championships like even if you look back on who's that who's that kid that ended up going to live the brazilian guy the young kid um the young kid that lost to jt at the pga last year oh mito 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 i mean you hit one chile Chile. You hit Chile, yeah. You hit one bad golf shot, and it's over. Whole your turn, week, yeah, your, the whole your tournament week. is over. And he hit that one shot into the water, and that was it. And that's all it takes in golf. Whereas you miss a free throw in basketball, or, you know, okay, so you're man up on the power play in hockey. You don't score. You're supposed to, but you don't score. You know, it's okay. We'll, 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 maybe we'll yeah. make that back at the end of the game. Yeah. But if you make one bad golf shot, that could be the difference in you winning a, one of these tournaments at this level. So I think. And their mindset. You're 100% right. You look at their mindset. Like people are asking what's happened to Rory lately. Well, the toll of being the voice of the PGA with this conflict with Liv, that takes its toll. Mm-hmm. And that might mean a shot, you know, around during the round here and there when you're. Especially just, in his prime. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's you can see it in his face how much sometimes yeah. it weighed on him, like the the pressure of being the voice of the PGA, and that that just takes its toll. I I when I, one of the things that I took from uh, watching that series on Netflix was how defeated Brooks Kepka appeared at that time, oh, and how so he talked defeated. negatively about himself and his his weight and his mm-hmm. he was just and you and. Just now you see him, it's obviously he's fitter he now. Sounds than better. He sounds better. Mentally sounds yeah. better. Yep. Yeah. But the toll, these guys are so good that the difference between them is so small that yeah. it's just the little things make a big difference at this level. It's fractions. It's just these tiny little fractions of difference in this game. 
that the mental that that's crazy though too like somebody like rory who's still so young to basically be taking on the mantle of the pga like it's pretty much on his shoulders because he's I mean, doing he's been, so much what 15 years now like oh, Rory's not. I mean, he's a veteran on the league. Yeah. Rory's my age, so he's I mean, a veteran, but he's still he's like a couple from, months older than standard. I am. Yeah, and he's, but yeah, I mean, golf def- age. But I couldn't imagine like being in his position, and now all of a sudden you get cameras shoved in your face about like my opinion doesn't matter. We talk on here, and nobody gives a yeah. crap. And then you go like put him on Golf Channel, put him on ESPN, CBS Sports, whatever, and he's got to basically talk about this pretty tense subject. Um, and you got to be knowledgeable because. There's probably so many intricacies about the process of breaking away. That how is he supposed to know? Well, all that not stuff? only that, but on top of he needs to know everything that's going on, and on, he also needs to know what's all, what are all the things that I can't mention yeah. and slip and, and things like that. It's funny because this th- reminds me of what we talked about um, with the Masters, and it was Rory specifically where they had him mic'd up in the middle of the round. And I we, love the concept. I don't like it during a major. So we kind of landed, and I don't know how you feel, Scott, but we kind of landed in the sense that God. mic up the caddy so you can still have these conversations, but do not yep. let the reporter or the announcer have it, – it's not a two-way mic. This it's a one-way this mic. The, this isn't the match. You where you can, listen, you can listen. Because I think, I think the one thing that – you know, you always hear JT is one of us because you always hear him, you know, dropping F bombs or whatever right. when he misses a shot. Like they'll randomly catch it on a mic. Um, but I think that people love that aspect of the game. And I think if you could give people a glimpse into, which they do sometimes, that caddy player conversation, it's so crazy to hear what they actually talk about. Like this old, was it Colin Morikawa that was like, all right, how, what's the distance? And yeah. he's like, it's, um, I don't know, like 171, 173 goes, no, is it, is it 171 or is it 173? Like, what is it? I mean, it's just, I mean, yeah, I've heard, I've heard dialogue between caddies like that have been, you've had a mic nearby, like on Sunday tournaments and they, they say things like it's 124, but I'm going to play it like it's 123. And like, that's how precise that, you know, I would love to hear that kind of, I was uh, on I was on vacation recently. My wife and I were eating at a at a restaurant, and the Golf Channel was on, and there was a an LPGA event on, and they had they were doing an on. There was a player who was mic'd up, and there was I mean I couldn't hear what she was saying, but it was obvious that there was uh, an interview going on as she played in between shots. Mm-hmm. I think they do that on the European or the what is it oh. the DP? Yeah, the Euro- I love the European tour. Yeah, the DP European World Tour. tour. Yeah. yeah, they do that. They have like they interview a, them as they're walking off as the they're walking love and it. playing. Yeah, and you wouldn't want to see that at the, in the PGA, or you would. On the- see, I just I just think. Maybe maybe in like normal tournament games, like maybe some of the elevated tournaments, yeah. but like in in these championships, you know, the majors, these guys have got to be in such a perfect headspace that yeah. like to interrupt that even for fifteen seconds well, for an interview, I think is I asking agree. too I think, much. Out I of think a they said when Phil won a couple years ago at Kiwi, he, um, I, I don't know if it was he got he definitely was on social media, but I don't even know if he had his phone on him. Like I think he literally went and played. Went back to his house and like just chilled. Mm-hmm. Got up the next day, went to the court, and mm-hmm. like spent the whole four days like in his own little bubble yep. world. And obviously, when he's at, he's hearing people you know yell and stuff. But sure. he's not like, I mean, how many of these like? And it's but that's also sports, right? Like, if but, you're a professional athlete, but again, you need to be able to. But we have we have that. Instagram, so like I'll open up Instagram and you'll go to like a, you know the Zyre Golf account and like. Max Homa and like Bryson are liking like posts, right? Like middle of the tournament, you'll go on tonight and like 
Max Homa and the, like some of these guys are actively liking stuff online. JT, like they're big on social media, but they're not taking a break from it. Where some of these guys literally will not have a phone on them and they just mm-hmm. go into their own world. And I remember Phil talking about that, and you could see two years ago he was very like he had his glasses on, but he was just very quiet, wasn't talking to people, and like dialed. He was, just, but it was like start to finish. He did his interviews, got in the car, left, and he came back. It was almost like he was removed from the tournament. He was playing, but he wasn't like a part of the tournament because he had basically separated his yeah. himself so much, which I feel like at this level that that's got to be something like if you because I've I mean, I played comp- not a lot of competitive golf. I played some when I was a kid, but like I remember you get in a headspace where you wouldn't. There were certain things you just wouldn't do. It was different. You might like spend a few more, you know, and, and again, we don't do this weekend and week out, but even tournament weeks, like I would have everything kind of prepped and ready to go. You you would go to, um, you know, you'd go a little bit earlier and you'd putt and you'd practice a little bit and you would bit better decisions. So you get on the tee and you're like, I, I don't need the driver. I can hit something out safe. And it kind of like you started playing the percentages. And realistically, if I went out right now and I said, okay, I'm going to play really smart golf today. I'm going to like hit the ball and I'm not going to like, I'm not going to hit driver off number eight. I'm going to like, I'm playing like a, fairly smart round of golf where I'm um, managing my misses and everything else. Like I guarantee you, I will probably shoot, you know, a, a below average round for myself purely by taking the time to do it. Now, normally when we go out in the morning, right. like we're shooting the shit about whatever we're talking here, we're talking and we might hit a bad shot because we're just not, we're not, it's not like you're, one of us is bothering each other talking. It's just, we're not really hundred percent focused. We get right. up we're like, okay, it's my shot. Ah, crap, bad hit. And then you go up, get the ball and hit again. And like, but if you really said, okay, I'm going to play well and dial in, it's kind of like four of the kids. Like yeah. you, the four of the kids tournament, and obviously Scott, you know what this is. Yeah. Like the four of the kids tournament, like when you play, it's the only time, and you would ask any of the players there, especially guys that played like Ryan and Steve O and a couple guys that played competitively, Bryce, like these guys, you get to this, like you dial in a little bit more, and I make way better decisions. At, mm-hmm. And I don't, I honestly have had one really bad nine, which was against Ryan. He smoked me. Um, but minus that, like I usually play better than I normally play because you dial in a little bit better. You play percentages, you focus more on the shot and really commit to it. Um, you normally don't do that like in a round. So like when you watch these guys that do it all the time, they still have to tap into that extra gear, which for that, that might be like, don't talk to me. I don't want to see, I don't even want to see like family, yeah, it could be anything, spouse right? or something. It could like, be anything. It could be like Tony. He needs to see his family. Whereas Tiger was like, I shut down the world around me and that's the only way I'm like I mean like you well, think about Tiger do, in like the early 2000s it was any, just laser focused he didn't even touch hands well, I've told that, you about that right the most intimidating person yeah. I've ever seen in my life was Tiger Woods walking between two tea, uh, between a green and a tee box this was probably the second or third round at Beth Page in 2002 as a little kid they rope off between the green and the tee box all of a sudden like a couple players go Tiger goes walking he's literally like almost like marching to the next tee his you he did not know there was thousands of people <laughs> screaming his name his eyes were like this and he was walking and he just had like that like almost like a uh, um, you can tell. a blank stare and you're like this guy can't hear a word like this guy is so, like he's hearing noise he's not hearing tagger he's not hearing he's like so like in his own element and then you see 150 like entourage cameras and stuff follow him but i remember watching him like Oh, okay. And this was 2002. Like this is 
they weren't doing like all the stuff they have now. Yeah, I mean, right. he was going up against Bob Tway and a mm-hmm. couple of these other like Mark Kalkovecchia. Some, I mean, they're good golfers, but they weren't the caliber of like well, JT he's also driving them all by thirty or forty yards. But he just point. like, I mean, he had the crazy mental mindset that he's. I mean, I would say he's let off a little bit from where he used to be. But oh my gosh, I I would say a lot, a lot, yeah, yeah. Because back then it was to the point outside the ropes. He's way he was borderline like where oh, yeah, like before inside and outside the ropes he was. But he Laser. was like a borderline, almost like a Mike Tyson, like just yeah. a nut, like Michael Jordan, like back. Those guys, like the '90s, they were just. I mean, you grew up, obviously. That was like major Absolutely. sports time for you. Oh, I mean, that huge. was like a little bit younger for me, but still, like yeah. you see, like a Michael Jordan or Mike Tyson, and old. I mean, old clips of Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson just like barreling at a guy, getting hit, and he just keeps going forward, yeah. just starts mauling a guy. You're yeah. Like, well, oh, you this guy's like not going to lose. Well, like, if, I mean, the thing that even if you don't, if like Mike Tyson, don't even watch the fights. Just watch his walk up to the ring. It's insane, the focus oh. that you can see this guy's yeah. eyes. And I think that's everybody. It's like the story from, you guys probably watched the uh, the Jordan documentary, uh, oh, yeah. Last, Last Dance. Dance. Yeah. And like, the, best. the best part was when he made up his own story as to why he hated that other the other players. Find his own motivation. Yeah, make his own up the motivation. Like, yeah. If nobody else can give you enough motivation, I'm just going to make it up myself. Yeah. And then he lives off and of that. And then the guy say, he goes, I don't think I've ever spoken to Michael in my <laughs> yes, life. Yes, I did <laughs> see that. Yeah. But it's just, I mean, I think that's what it takes to be at that at that level though it's just that that level of focus is crazy and i think that's the nice thing is like you never saw it out of michael like you saw like the casual stuff he did with larry you saw like obviously did you know space jam he kind of got into like the more public persona stuff but like right now it feels like tiger has officially entered his i'm still competitive but i'm going to give back to like the culture of golf because you're seeing like swan song the like amount, a, yeah, yeah the amount of stuff that he's doing for taylor made golf right now online like talking about his game like when he came out and did did uh you know he did that whole series was it with taylor made or was golf i think it was golf digest where he did that whole like 12 part series which talking about his game which was terrible but awful. that's so different from tiger of old he would never talk about his game because it was viewed he, as he like did a, secret. He did a little bit. If you go back like old Golf Digest one or old Golf Channel stuff, he was on with Butch Harmon and a couple old yeah. clips. But he used to have an article in Golf Digest too. Like he was Tiger. Did you see they just I have auctioned. his old book from the nineties, How I Play Golf, which mm-hmm. is yeah. one of the ways I learned how to play golf was reading Tiger's yeah. book. Yeah, they auctioned off one of his sets from a, a major he won, in the the ball mark on yeah. the center. Did you see his those? That was, have you seen his putter? Uh, no. I'll bring this yeah. up. His uh, Tiger's putter mark on the Scotty. What do you uh, think about the pressure his kid must feel that uh, he plays with in the? And he's not the, apparently he's not really his finishes aren't that great this year no. either. But I mean that pressure's got to be crazy because I would imagine Tiger's like, all right, you've got the genetics, you've got everything you need. I'm here for you, but he probably just doesn't. That's wild. He probably just doesn't want to be Earl, right? He doesn't want to yeah. be Charlie's Earl because yeah. he doesn't want to put him through that yeah. just torture that Tiger faced as yeah. a kid. I mean. You could call it torture, but looking back on it, I mean, you know what I mean? Call it what you want, yeah. but. Produced what he was. It, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, you got to credit Earl a lot. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I mean, Tiger was obviously naturally right gifted. Yeah, look at that. That's crazy. Um, well, yeah, I was going to say, I think Charlie's, like, from a actual rank-wise, isn't highly ranked. No. I mean. What, what is he, like, 14 now? Yeah, but against, like, other kids in his, like, graduation yeah. class by the over the year they're born or whatever, who knows how old he is. I mean, like. Well, what, 13? Yeah, he's probably was born in, like, 2010. So, like, out of, like, the 2010 kids, he's yeah. ranked, like, a pretty high number. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't start playing golf until, I think Tagger said, basically COVID is when he really started to pick up the game and play. 
and because they had time and they weren't obviously Tiger wasn't traveling for the season. Um, but I think you start giving him the access that he has, and, mm-hmm. and now he's like kind of getting into it. And like he well, seems like a his, pretty smart kid. Think about his backyard. It, but yeah, it also look look at him from year one to year two of just the PNC. He goes from like this little boy to now you're like, wait, is that Charlie's older brother? Yeah. Like because this kid he just a, got big. He's a kid, yeah. And you're gonna, you, I mean, you'll see because Tagger when he was 12, 13, 14, was about as big as my pinky. He was like this little ropey. Oh, yeah, kid. you Even see in, you see him walking down the fairway and the clothes are hanging off of him. Oh my like, god, yeah, he was he was so Charlie. You see him walk down the fairway and he's pretty yeah. stacked, thirteen year old or whatever, yeah, fourteen year old. He's a big kid. So um, the other thing too, yeah, I mean, to have that short of that small of a window for what he's been playing, how much he's been playing. I mean, the exposure. Well, you know, from kids at that age, exposure is such a huge part of any sport. Yeah. Like, the more you touch a basketball, the better you're going to be. The more yeah. you hold a lacrosse stick in your hand, the better you're going to be. Like, so I mean, the amount of the amount of exposure he's getting just from Tiger and everything mm-hmm. has got to be insane. Um, plus, he's got a par three in his backyard in <laughs> Jupiter, Florida. So. I think he's got four holes in his backyard. Does he? Um, but I, I think I think Bryson's going to be competing all the way through. I think this course just sets up for him. It's very it's wing it's like Wingfoot. It's very similar. I think I think it's actually what they said was Wingfoot with less severe greens. Which yeah, is crazy. I, Justin Thomas was saying that. Like he started talking about. It. He says, "Well, the greens." He goes, "Well, they're not Wingfoot greens, but they're yeah, still really really." I I think the greens here are a little bit smaller though. Like some of these greens don't look big. Just, I mean, the three we're looking at now aren't huge greens. That was one thing that I noticed too at Bluff that they're starting to shrink the greens. I don't know if you've played Bluff yet this Not year. Well, I have my in the last like three to five years. I plan on playing more golf this summer than I have in the last three to five years combined. I just, you know, you were talking about exposure at a young age. So like, I played high school golf, and then I coached. And when you coach, you play. You know, you get a chance to play. And so that I probably haven't coached in ten years. And I haven't played as much golf during that time, but I'll play a couple times a year. I'll even do some drills sometimes just because my mindset is I have the foundation and I hope I can maintain that so that when I do start playing golf, you know, it'd be a lot different than just picking up the game right now. I have that foundation and it might take me, you know, some time to, to, to get back to, you know, my, my ultimate goal. I mean, if I've always felt if I could play around bogey golf, I'm okay with that, you know, for, um, somebody who doesn't play that much but when you start playing all of a sudden a 90 turns into an 87 87 turns into an 85 85 Mm -hmm. turns into an 83 and then then all of a sudden you're you know when you're happy with an 88 versus being unhappy with an 88 right and that's uh, jared burns to a t yeah (laughs) so that's and that comes with just practice that comes with yeah well exposure because that's the thing that i've noticed too is like I didn't play competitive golf. I played. I, I hacked the ball around when I was a kid, 11, 12 years old, stopped playing, picked up lacrosse, spring sport, played lacrosse for years, picked up a golf club when I moved to Boston uh, for a couple of years, moved back here, and then picked a, probably, what, five years ago, GT? Yeah. Um, picked up. So, like, I can see it, though. Like, I think you just naturally can see it, too. You can see the guys that they've been there before. Like, they clearly have it. And they know what it's like to shoot in the seventies because mm-hmm. they've done it before. Whereas every time I, every time I hit a new score, it's the first time I've ever been there. Yeah. So it's it's this weird thing. But yeah, it, I mean that's kind of you described it perfectly. Where it's like for years I was 
94, 95, 96, and then I'd hit like that, like 91. Yeah. And it was like, oh, it's not a bad round. And now we're going out like this year. I hit my first 89 this year, but it was like, oh, that was a terrible round. Yeah. And it was an eight, whereas like three years ago, it would have been, it would have been a personal, personal best yep. to hit an 89. But once you, it's funny, once you start getting those scores lower, and you hit like an 83 or an your 84, expectation, expectations your expectations change dramatically, which yep. is also somewhat unrealistic because, you know, you're setting the bar based <laughs> on the best round. But but, you, but the thing is, like, I think that's the thing about golf, too, is you know you're capable of it, and it's such a fickle game that it's these little, these slight little nuances that prevent you from getting back there. And you're like, why did I do that? That was so stupid. But, it's also consistency. Like I've, I think last, so we, we, we started playing what 20 end of 2020. We started playing. Yeah. And end of 2020. Yeah. I would say we started playing consistently and I, I didn't play much in 19. Um, I think after co and then we even played, we started for the kids and that was just me and Matt, but I probably had only played maybe two times that year. And we played that tournament or the, just the match. Um, so from 2020 to last year or, I'm going to say last year, 2022. Like last year, we played a lot of golf. That was the most consistent we played. Yeah. 2021, we got a little bit more into it, but 2022, like we consistently were going out, you know, me, the three of us basically. At least once a week. At least once a week. And, Sometimes twice. And and if it was scramble week, we would probably get together at least twice a week because of scrambles and playing yep. and you go to the range. But when you look at golf, like last year, I think my worst score last year was like a 102, which obviously was like, uh, I probably quit half the holes that blew up on him. You know what I mean? Or just gave up on some holes. But like say I shot 102 and then my best round was 76 last year, 77. Mm-hmm. So like, but but when you 76, look, I remember that 76, round. 76, yeah. So when you go with the... That was a, the quietest, was a, best round I've ever witnessed. Which is usually how you shoot good scores is yes. boring round. No, but, but I... Uh, but I remember, like, if you look at that, though, that's almost a 30, 25-plus stroke difference in a calendar year of mm-hmm. a player. And the thing was, like, yes, the 76, I felt very in control of my game. The, the 102, I was like, ugh, like, just bad. But if you really looked at the skill level of the two, I didn't think I, like, swung miraculously on the 70s. Like, it, it wasn't like I, all of a sudden, I'm like, man, I'm just swinging the ball and I'm hitting it further and better. It was just consistency, mm-hmm. but it was also, like, it wasn't even, like, a mental thing. I wasn't, like, sharp. But I was just like, I was like fl- in flow. I just kind of was like hitting and like the swing, the effort, nothing felt any different than if I shot a 95. Um, From the outside looking in, the swing just, you just, I remember watching it and I was like, he just feels comfortable today. Because there was there was times last year where I'd watch him play and like just the swing itself. You mean currently at, right now? Yeah, like right now. Last but month? especially <laughs> last year though. Especially in the beginning of the year, like like probably May June last year, the swing just looked uncomfortable. Yeah. And then as as the year progressed, the swing got grouped out. And then that seventy six, which was probably like late July, early August, I think it was early August. It was just you were watching him hit, and it was just this effortless. Everything was just coming off the club but, right, but it didn't. It didn't look like he was doing anything different. It just looked like everything felt way more well, comfortable. Well, the other thing too, when you talk about having like the baseline, like my average score back in the day was seventy six. So like I have it. It's just you go, mm. you know, t- you know, fifteen, almost fifteen years of playing golf at, at at a level that I was playing back then. So like that's the thing. It's and I of course I always go back to that. I'm like I I know I still have it in me. Same like what you say, if like trying to keep a baseline. It's just the amount of its consistency. It's like being able to practice and. 
back then I wasn't, um, like I didn't play in the golf team. I wasn't, my practices were, I would go to the range or go to like the school garage, like bus garage area. And I would just hit golf balls. I wasn't trying to cut, wasn't trying to hook, wasn't trying to play little games. I was just hitting. And then, you know, you go to, especially, especially when I was younger, you didn't have a car. So you waited for like mom to pick you up. And at North Country, that like putting green, mm-hmm. they didn't really have a chipping green. They had one over on the left, but it was like kind of crappy. So we would go, like it didn't have a good green. So like even if you hit the ball in the green, it wasn't like reacting the same. So we would go to the putting green. Nobody was on there. And I would just drop like three, four balls, you know, and then in different spots, I just throw it around. And then I would just go up and I would chip. And I'd be like, I'm just going to do the back one. We get the forward one. And you just started playing shots. And mm-hmm. then you started playing these little like up and down games where like it would be like me and Steve-O. And we'd each throw a ball down and be like, okay, we're going to like, you versus me, almost like horse. Like we're gonna throw it down here, and okay, you pick the flag. Okay, we're gonna go to that one, and then you just play like a little, like closest to the pin with some, maybe three balls. You know, just these little, little games. But the thing was, you were just, you were hitting the little short shots mm-hmm. and the wedge shots, and mm-hmm. that's what made a massive difference. I, when I was shooting my best, I was probably getting up and down 60 percent of the time, easy. You know, but at the time too, I was hitting ten to twelve greens around, and you know, so I mean, when you start looking at it, it's like, yeah, it makes sense that you were only shooting, you know, four or five over par, because I was giving myself opportunities. Now, well, the last round we played, I almost did something I've never done, Scott. I was zero for seventeen in greens and regulation going into eighteen. Yeah, and then I almost dunked my eighteenth shot. <laughs> I got a birdie, but, um, but I mean, it, now part of it was I was just off the green on a couple. You know what I mean? Yep. So I yeah, had yeah. some that were like sh- yeah. just on the fringe or just like w- like a foot into the rough, but there's still a missed green. So I was 0 for 17. I was so frustrated. Like my ball striking, I can't stand. It's not like I hit a bad shot. It just, I didn't not... talk to him that much. That <laughs> but it, but it's not like when I'm hitting golf balls, I'm like I'm hitting solid shots. They're just like like they're just, just spraying off. Yeah. They're you know they're not missing by a ton, but they're missing. We're not they're not greens. But so that was that's my biggest thing right now. It's just purely hitting greens. Like, I'm I'm terrible. Terrible. At yeah, it. consistency is my biggest thing right now. I think it's hard when you play golf. You know, even a day, even if you're playing a lot and it's only a day a week, that's you know, it's a sport that you just have to play a lot of. I, like, I cannot play. I can play you know two or three or four times a year and feel pretty good about hitting the ball. But then when you get fifty yards, thirty yards off the green, then you're like, oh man, I haven't done this very much. I have and no you, idea what yeah, I'm doing right now. Yeah. 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 It's no, absolutely. Like that's that's the thing too is the touch, that touch and that feel, and being comfortable. Like, because that's the one thing that, like, when you can stand over a club and go, okay, I know what this is gonna do. Like that's a huge benefit to you. And that being, you know, in a in a five month a year sport in the North Country, it takes you the first three months to get to that back to that point where you're like okay that's right i know i yeah. i know this shot i can yeah. hit this shot i feel comfortable hitting this shot yeah here you go so they put the he's earpiece a, in he's now a club pro so they're going to start talking to him so have you seen this before i i, I mean i i saw that one time with that lpga player on the <laughs> you think they would have known that before? That was an aggressive swing. That was looked just like Straka. I mean, oh, not, like, oh wow, he's on! Wow, oh, what's gonna saddle. happen to that? Well, from that flight line, that's gone. That's probably dead. 
Where that pin is? That might be a dead shot. So there's a PGA Pro. So 20 PGA There's 20. Professionals. Yep. So are they like course professionals? Or are they are most of them from Oak Hill? No, no, like no, no. Pr- like like they're all over the country. Yeah, all they, over like, the country. Manage, so one is from Woodstock, New York, a nine-hole course. Really? Yeah, I read an article. Ooh, that's about a good him. look. That look, that line looks beautiful. That's high too. Get in there. Ooh. Um, oh, they get up. Wow. I'm surprised that they're bouncing through that rough. Wow. So. So what happens? They play a PGA tournament. I don't know when they actually played the tournament, but the top twenty qualified to play in this. A couple of weeks ago, it was in New Mexico, I believe. Okay. And, yep, top twenty. And then, uh, but this is like a, this is a big thing with the PGA. They always have twenty, like non-pro but PGA professionals. So these guys are all like coaches and stuff and run country clubs. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously they're sticks; they can play, but yep. it's uh, you know. But it's kind of cool. A lot of these guys, like you start looking at the backstories. A lot of them, it's, yes. it's almost like college basketball. It's like the, you know, the the low seeds when you're like wondering, like, what team is uh, Fair, Fairly Dickinson? Yes. And like, who are they? And then you look at this guy and the, or the nine hole course guy. I mean, I wish I could hear this. So we're going to turn it down. But I mean, like some of the like the insights of these guys are amazing. Like when John Rahm was in the booth and he was just talking. Oh, that was great. at the Heritage. Yeah, yeah, he was great. And he just kept talking. I was like, I I could listen to this all the time, especially a guy that just flat out well one he's. He's in his prime, but two, you're like, he just played the course. Yep. Like he's giving you all the behind the scenes and I've walked that course because my mom lives in Hilton Head. So I was actually I was actually in Hilton Head we didn't I didn't go this year, but that tournament was in Hilton Head when I was there. Um But uh that's a beautiful course. Maddie Fitz went in it. Yeah. Well he was six over today too, I think. I actually thought he was gonna play decent. And so along so along these lines, so my buddy, so when I played when I was like 9, 10, 11, 12, so I grew up in the Thousand Islands, and we played, I don't know if you've ever been over to Clayton, New York. Um, no, so the place I had a boss that lived there, Doug, oh, okay. Doug Rogers, my one of my principals growing up. Oh, cool. Or early in my career. So I had uh, my, my best friend growing up, his family, his uncle owned the golf course, his mother owned the restaurant, his dad had founded it, Natalie's. And so Seaway Golf Course, Seaway, Seaway, Natalie Seaway Restaurant. And so when we were kids, we were, you know, we, we worked under the table at the restaurant at night and we could just go play as much golf as we wanted to. I mean, so we would play 18, 27, 36 holes a day as kids. I mean, literally like when I was 11, 12, we were down like from the whites, like shooting 45, 46, Mm -hmm. like as 11, 12 year olds, We, we got pretty good. Um, Almost it doesn't <laughs> count, I guess. Only in horseshoes and hand grenades, right? Um, I came this close on number five to a hole in one. I was literally six inches outside oh, of a hole wow. in one. But um, so speaking of, of guys like this, though, because I've kind of followed him because we've kind of since just you know fallen apart. But he was the senior golf pro at Oakmont for a while, and now he's the he's the head at a place. I, I wasn't. My my dad told me about this um, place in Highlands, North Carolina. He's wildcat cliffs country club but he's the director now but he's the golf pro there too i forget what school he went, he went to a school in north carolina but it's funny it's like man you know i you took one path and i took <laughs> another and it was just like we always talk about it it was like there's this video that floats around online where it's like what if you know if you could change if you could change one thing about your life like what would you change like 
I would have played more golf as a kid, <laughs> and I would have tried to play at college, and then maybe I'd be a golf pro somewhere, and I'd have my own YouTube page. <laughs> but it's like living you, the dream. You, yeah, like but this I think kid, if you were to ask golfers, older golfers, what would you do? I would play more as a kid. I, I think that's a very a common answer. I would yeah. imagine. You guys got me listening to I was, the Masters podcast. The I listen. You got me listening to a podcast. For the Masters? Uh, no, Subpar? Uh, Subpar. You got me listening Nos- to that. Those Love guys that. are great. Yeah, that's, that's the best golf good. podcast. I've been listening sports. to that a lot yeah. lately. Yeah. Um, well, the thing with Colt, so one, he's, I mean, I he's one of my favorite announcers. Like, you just, yeah. like, you see him, and he usually does, he, I don't know if he's doing this. I think this he is does, NBC. Is this going to be, he's CBS, I think. CBS. I'm not sure who's, I don't know who's, who's got it. the weekend. I think it is, I think it is CBS. On the weekend, yeah. Um, or no, it might be ABC. Doesn't ESPN usually book? Yeah, but ESPN ESPN always does the Thursday Friday regardless the regardless of who. Okay, so it might be CBS. Yeah. It. Um, and uh, oh, where was I going with that? Would you just say uh, the guys? Oh, Colt Nas. Yeah, yeah. So Colt Nas usually does like the mo- like he'll do kind of like the earlier parts, and he'll usually be on a hole and walk down. But he's got, I mean, the thing was he played on the PGA Tour, so he knows a lot yes. of these guys. And if you go back, Colt Nas like two thousand five, six, seven, CBS eight on the weekend, he's like. Walker Cup team, yep. PGA Pro, like I, a lot of these guys, you see like the Ricky Fowlers and the Jordan Spees and the, you know, kind of a, take your pick of the litter there, like that, um, kind of like the early to mid thirty guys. Um, Colt was like was teammate of a lot of them in college and played and kind of was like, and he's good buddies with a lot of them still. So when you end up seeing the same thing with like uh, Smiley Kaufman, is it Smiley Kaufman? Smiley, who's, yep. Who's a good friends with those guys, and he was a PGA player. So when you start to see these, I mean, again, a lot of these guys are. Oh. When you look at, uh, you know, Ian Baker Finch and Jim Nance, and, yep. and you know, these guys were all even Roger Malpe. They were old ex players. Yep. Um, but just to hear these guys like talk, and because they, no, again, they know these guys so personal. But that podcast is fantastic. Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah, they're, uh, they're funny. I mean, they're funny, they're funny. And, but and they you learn a lot. Like they had John Rahm on after he won the Masters. I listened to that one. That one was incredible. That was a great. When he one. talked about what the Masters does in terms of his public appearances with the coat. Yes. And like, what did you listen to? Oh, that? the rules associated. The, so there's with it, yeah. so there's all these rules, and you have to get approval of when you can wear your green jacket, what you're doing with the green jacket, like how you make the appearance. He said that. The th- there's a training that you go through right before the ceremony where they'll come in and they'll say, okay, what arm are you going to use first to get in? You got to listen to the subpar yeah. about it because it's, it's just John's crazy. talking about this? And John's, John's literally talking about everything. He's like, yeah, so what you have to do is you have to call up Augusta and say, okay, here's the appearances that I want to make. Can I wear the green jacket for these appearances? And they'll like dictate like how you can, you, if you can. You know what's uh, one of the coolest things was after Hideki won? So the next morning, like, of course, is all over online. He's, like, sitting in, like, the Atlanta airport on his phone, like, commercial flight. And he's got his bag, and draped over the bag is the green jacket. And he's just, like, sitting in his seat. <laughs> and his guys are walking by, like, holy, holy crap, that's a jacket. Yeah. And that's the green, that's, like, that's a green jacket right there. And he's just, it would be like us just running, like, a black yeah. face jacket over. And it's just, like, sitting there. I'm like, what a world. That will still probably be one of the coolest post-round moments ever is when his caddy bowed to the yeah, course. Oh, yeah. That like, that is all time. Like They've played I got, every year since. I get chills whenever you watch that. It's just, like, the appreciation, the respect and everything that, yeah. that he showed by bowing to the course. That I'd love so to see great. him win again. I, I mean... Like he's, str- this, he's been struggling. But if you look at this leaderboard right here, I would love to see Adam Scott win out of that of that group right there. Adam Scott's, what, 42, 43 now? 
mean, he's been around since. Yes. Yeah. Well, he was 19 quiet, or 20 years quiet, old. Quiet, not flashy, just solid game. Yep. Justin Rose has been kind of quiet lately. But he's getting older too, isn't yeah. he? He's got it. That's it. He's dunking that? Yeah. Nice. There you go. So he won. I was at, speaking of a small course with no real estate, Marion. So in 2013, we went to the U.S. Open at Marion, which uh, Justin Rose won. And I'll be honest, not my favorite golfer to win because he's like, He's boring. He's not a bad guy. He's just boring. <laughs> but I was, I'm also a massive Phil guy. So Phil was in the hunt that whole weekend, came in second. And uh, that was that's another course that was so tight, meaning just logistically. That we're, and they're going to Marion, I think. Uh, Aronimic, I think, is close to Marion. And I feel like Marion is on the docket you know, sometime in the next 10 years. But that is a very small um just like a amount of acreage and mm-hmm. space on that. And there's a couple spots that are very much bottlenecks that you can't really walk around stuff. You got to kind of like walk. You have like one path to get to a certain section of the course and it all kind of just jams together. Um, but that one's another one. There's just like, it's now been built up around. So now it's kind of like in a little suburb area. Um, very nice course, but you know, you take like a, back in the day, Ben Hogan, one iron kind of iconic shot of him shooting it, which is on Marion 18. And there's like nothing around. Now it's all the same course, but it's all built up. So like I, you know, I think it's getting kind of tough because they can't lengthen that. So we talk yeah. about trying to make it hard. Yep. You know, pin placements, green speed, rough. You know, obviously tightening up the fairways. Like there's there's things I mean, they, they really can can't make the greens that much faster anymore, right? No. So I, but I mean, you, it's like pin placements. It's you know where do you tuck the green? Like how? I mean, you grow rough. You can always grow rough. Yeah. But um, and I mean, you could. Shrink greens. You can shrink, you can shrink greens. Yeah, you can shrink Shrinking greens. Shrinking a green is, is but like you said, what, he, what the guy did here, um, and I haven't, I might have been like Tuesday or something. He was on the um, the nightcap thing, and he was or the PGA live or whatever. And he was talking about it. But, young guy, young guy. Yeah, he's like, about forties maybe. Yeah. Um, but oh, nice I didn't shot, realize though. this is the first time I've actually seen the bunkers. And he talked about, them, but those bunkers are deep. Absolutely. I mean, those are just thick face, and yep. and the difference also between these and you go to like um i like that they've it's a full heavy rough surrounding the bunker yeah too. it's not like say it's not that you know like the steps like it's especially over in guy. ireland where they build yeah. those steps the that kind of whatever they yeah yeah no it's a heavy heavy rough because you're gonna have guys that are gonna hit the ball it's gonna go through and go up and kind of catch in that rough and now you're like i'm just gonna pop up like 20 yards down the fairway or 30 yards yeah the course is the course looks beautiful yeah. for this time of year too scott what's your, what's your thoughts just because we're looking at uh Speedy Gonzalez here, Pat Cantley. <laughs> what, what's your thoughts on slow play? Speedy so I, um, going back to my coaching days, it was a point of emphasis. Like, hey, let's move along. Let's play. Let's play the game. And and we talked here about the high, what a high level and what the 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 preciseness with which they operate. That would take more time, mm. but. Um, you know, you look look at the baseball games that w- when MLB has taken a half hour off their games. I mean, yeah. these guys playing five to five and a half hour rounds with with caddies and um, just two to three in a group. Um, I don't know how you would in golf have a pitch clock or a shot. You know, when do you start it? What about what if like? Uh, I know they talked about this Cantley when he was uh, recently in contention. Might have been at Hilton. Was it at Harbor Town where his ball got kind of stuck in a weird position on a pill on a like a pillar uh, near the green? And they said, "Well, do you get more time for this awkward lie that you sure, never yeah. see? Like, how do you determine? I mean, um, 
I think there needs to be an etiquette and play at a reasonable pace. I don't. I just don't know. I'm for. I'm more for a speedier pace of play. How do you do it in golf? Like, what's the answer to make think, it happen? I think from a like a like a perspective of a viewer, especially on TV, pace of play doesn't come into play as much because they can always just move from one golf golf shot to the next shot. So you, you really until you get down to like the wire on a Sunday. Pace of play really doesn't impact the viewer, which versus baseball, pace of play impacts the viewer massively because you're sitting there watching baseball. I'm perfect. I'm a lacrosse player, so I don't really watch much baseball, <laughs> but it's a slow game already. So if you slow it down by another hour, it's going to be painful. But I think the one thing, too, we we play fast. I, I'd say relatively fast. We have friends that play twice as, like Scott plays twice as fast as we do. Well, me, you, and uh, but, Scott played three three guys in two and a half hours. Like, yeah. Right? It was two and a half? Yeah, we play really fast. Rye plays probably like, I don't know, 50% longer than we do probably. Mm-hmm. But you can, you can tell, like, Ryan's not playing slow because he's playing slow. Ryan's playing slow because, like, you can watch him. He's He has a process yep. that he goes through mm-hmm. for every yeah. shot. Yeah, he's not just he, wasting time. He's, he's, not, thinking, yeah. he's not slow. He's just a slower player than we are. And I find that, like, if if that's your style of play... I, I would that's, say Ryan's average speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not slow. I think, and again, back to what you're saying, is I don't know how you would enforce it, but it's one thing if you're playing slow. It's another thing if you're playing slow and it's taking a golfer behind you out of their flow of their game. Like, but how do you enforce that, right? So if you get these golf, you get these golfers that have a certain style of game, like, I don't know, do you change the order, but then... You like haven't ordered through. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you do because it doesn't, well, Bro- there's Brooks. not a lot of ways to do that. Like Brooks with playing with Patrick at, uh, at, uh, or Masters. playing behind Patrick at the masters. He took so long and he wasn't even in contention. So it's like, do you force him to speed up? He's like, look at, you're not going to win. Yeah. Well, so you got, but at the same time you can't say, Hey, you need to speed up when Patrick Cantley is like, well, yeah, but I'm going slow because this could be the difference between me winning one point or yeah. winning $600,000 or winning $125,000. Like that, that's the thing too. So I, I don't know how you do we see it. like, is that one of the hidden things of golf? We don't see how long these guys actually wait because we just see every shot and they can keep going. Do so, these guys wait a lot? Typically so when I, when I the go, one thing that's really cool is they play, there'll be guys on the green and they'll play. Sometimes they'll play up. Like these guys will play up. If it's a drivable par four, yeah. if it's a drivable. Yeah. yeah. So I, Bryson or not Bryson uh, Brooks made a a comment I think in the he's got to hit this yeah I'd love to see come on he's had some near misses too Um, so Brooks made a couple comments when he was talking about slow play of course they asked him and Brooks is notorious for playing fast and I don't even think Brooks plays fast he plays ready golf like Matty Fitz is the same way they're like they have their plan they're ready to go my shot okay let me hit my shot Mm -hmm. but I think Brooks said there's a 40 legally in the rule book there's a 40 second shot clock kind of thing to hit and that's in the rules. And he said, like, yeah, if the wind changes and it gusts around, it makes sense. Like, you want to back off, grab a different club, talk to your caddy. Like, that's totally understandable. But when you're going up to, like, a you hit your tee shot or you go, I mean, just, like, in the normal pace of play, most of the time you should kind of have, you're good enough to know where you're supposed to hit it. Get your club, do your process, hit your shot. And they go, well, what do you do? And he goes, start stroking, guys. Like, you basically start adding strokes to guys that can't, you know, like, like in theory – if Pat Pat, Cantri- Pat Cantley is taking that much time, and all of a sudden, like, hey man, you just you got a stroke penalty. That par is now a bogey. 
he will start playing quicker. Yeah. It's just the nature Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's like an MMA, right? If you if you hit a guy below the belt too many times, they they take a point. Yeah. And then you're not going to throw that kick below the belt anymore because you can't afford to lose another point. Yeah, I, I I think there's a lot to it, and I think, but I do think that the pace of like any golf tournament I've ever gone to, the only time you see guys waiting on a tee to go is typically a par three. Because they're just waiting for them to putt out and stuff, but yeah. it's not substantial. Like in par fours, half the time you see the guys like walk up, they put the bag down, the next guys are finishing up their shots, they're talking, they get up and hit their shot. And it they move at a very good pace. Um, I never really saw an opportunity where I'm like, God, that group like where's the group behind them? Um, I will say a funny story. The first tournament I ever went to was two thousand two, it was Beth Page Black, Tagger won the tournament, Phil came in second, and um, so the final round Last place going into the final round. Of course, everybody at this point has made the cut. But the last place guy that, of the people that made the cut going into the final round was John Daly. John Daly, there was also an odd number of players. So John was a solo. Nobody in front of him. John went out, played all 18 holes, and came in, I think it was about two hours, maybe under two hours. Wow. Walking. And it was just like, got up, hit, went, boom, hit, got up, boom. Like, no no time no. at all. There's nobody playing with him. He'd have to wait for anybody. He was the first guy, only guy on the tee, and just played a solo round. And we were on 18. He came up, I think it was over 45 minutes later before the next group came up. Really? That's how much he was. I mean, he was holes ahead of everybody yeah. else. And there was only, I mean, they were playing two. He was playing by himself. But he was just like, give me the club, hit, give me the club, hit. I'm not going to win. But I think he still shot maybe three, four over. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it's still impressive how quickly they well, can go. He's still one of the. Well, here we go. I mean, they, they've probably been, honestly, this guy's been standing there for a minute and a half right now, with, you know, filming. They just turned it to him. I thought he. Had, I think he has a shot this week. He's one of those guys that's due. He also has a Joey Lacava in the bag. Oh, he didn't like that. I don't like that either. Um, that shot tracker is unbelievable. Have you seen Ooh. the video online? There's a video with Patrick Cantley. He's getting. He's setting up for a putt. Yeah. And they compare it to Happy Gilmore. I didn't see the comparison. Oh my gosh! So they do this side by side. It's Patrick Cantley setting up for a putt. I think it's at Harbortown actually. And like he sets it down, he's going behind, he's walking around, gets back behind it, and it's the it's versus the clip of Happy Gilmore when he first gets that Odyssey hockey stick, yeah. and so it's that it's that um, that green where he hits it over, hits it back, <laughs> hits it back, and I think he like four or five putts, and it's like Happy Gilmore actually got the ball in <laughs> on seven or whatever it is before Patrick Cantlay even hit his first putt. Oh, it was actually the and line. so they literally it's like a time they literally time it up in, in each. Oh my gosh, it's hilarious. It was, they had similar when the when the pitch clock thing in baseball happened this year. They were showing clips at the beginning of the season I where saw that. look at this, look at this, yeah, look at this. That's where I'd be post round right there. Sorry, Scott. Keep <laughs> Is that going near the club. That's got to be. I don't know. Those, that those got to be some. Those people. are the members. Yeah. <laughs> That's some local guys yeah. there. So they had guys who they would be out of. They'd have a full three out inning done before one at bat in oh previous years. That's they. That's crazy. That's how much it sped up the game. I remember watching. Oh, geez, Tony's not doing so hot. I remember He's watching a forty-one. That's one. On, that's a forty-one on the front. That shirt, though, man. I remember watching the side by side. They did the Savannah Bananas <laughs> pitching, pitch look like pitch guys, time versus like feet. the pros. Look how and it was this. literally an entire inning was over before the first at bat was <laughs> yeah. done. It was wild. You still open the guy's yeah, stance was? You know, were they? Where did Ooh. I hear? Had some thick rock. It was your Masters podcast that they. Some I thought it was that talking about how open some of these guys have their clubs that 
that we have no idea how open it wasn't was that oh for the that was shots. that was me well, no it was me when i was talking about um, how open because i was mentioning because i was i was doing my shameful admittance of how i clearly didn't understand bounce and it was that video of bunker to bunker <laughs> yeah phil mm-hmm. um it was that video of who was it i forget who it was it wasn't gary woodland but it was about like how how much how much further open scotty there actually wasn't scotty how much further open they're taking is not that Scotty. I watched that Scotty video with foreplay, but it was, um, gosh, I can't remember the name of the guy, but he, it was one of those, it was the, the girl from golf digest that does the interviews and she walks like a couple holes with the guys. And he was talking about, um, shots from just around, like just around the green and like how he actually uses his bounce and how wide open. And I was watching the video and I was just like, that is, just it's like flat. Like, like it's how flat. do they hit it? Like I would hit it straight. It seems like well, I see it. I would hit it either straight up in the so, air or straight. So I've learned. Right. So I've learned. Like last year. So this was something that improved. I got in the bunker. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? And you know, when you just like a mental slip. I'm like, I just oh, something's wow, not Tommy. computing. It's a great so shot from Tommy. I end up like kind of practice practicing. So I basically got to the point where I'm like, my bunker's game sucks. Like I'm struggling to get out of the bunker. So. All I did was you open up your stance to counteract whatever yeah. you open with the clubs. You're not really ever going to hit it right because your your stance is open. And then I, I typically play the ball. So anybody that knows golf, like you get in the bunker, I play the ball, I open my stance, I open the club. And when I say open the club, whatever you think, open it more. So double it. Like double whatever you're opening. Double so if it. you're like, I'm just going to open it a little bit, like put it almost to the point where it looks like it's pointing at the sky. Open up my stance. Because when you look like, when to you standing above the club, if it looks like it's pointing at the sky, I've noticed it's still not as open as you think it is. Yeah, I mean these guys almost have it laying flat. But yeah. and then what happens is by doing that, it actually lowers your hands too. So like the club shaft, like just the the, the, the way it's made, or the yeah, length. And so what happens is you put it open your stance, open the club face quite a bit, more than you think, put it on your front foot, and I put a slight a little bit of weight forward. Not much, but a little bit of weight forward. And the only thought I have is basically just swing back, but then just try to cut right to left, like basically swing along my body, but just try to cut across the ball and finish and high every single time. I haven't not got out of a bunker. You, like, I mean, bunker I'm saying my bunker game, game is, been... is, it's not like I'm getting up and down every time, but like I'm going to get up and down or up and then in the hole within two strokes. He hasn't for most hit of us back in the bunker in a while. No. And I, and a lot of them I've actually gotten up and out of the bunker pretty easily, but it's very effortless. Like I don't feel like work that hard, but the key to it is just like open your stance, play it off your front foot and, and make sure that club face is wide open. Yeah. And so not, so outside of the bunker was the one that, the one that I saw and it was, I wish I could By the way, where it was. Is, and it was, I got a box here. it was, um, he's just opened his club really wide and he said, just use the bounce. And he's literally, the bounce is designed for you to hit the turf. You can hit the turf, take a small divot. The bounce is going to do the work, but you're still going to make that good contact. Now, that said, don't do that in August at Bluff Point because yeah. you're going to hosel that thing yeah. about 130 yards I think, too, some of the, the conditions way. that we play in, uh, yeah. it's hard. Like the bunkers are pretty hard a lot of spots yeah. up in this area. I'm curious to see how Ricky plays this. Look where his ball is. Now, the pin is all the way to the left, tucked behind that bunker. On the How left. far? Oh, he's one fifty three out. Left of number two. Is that number tree, 10? Is that that tree, tree in front? And the tree, the, the tree's in front. He has play no a shot. Little, play a, well, yeah, but one fifty three. How much can he draw the ball? That's what. Well, he could draw quite a bit. Was that he, a I, pitching so, wedge? Oh, he for went him, high probably? over it. He went high. I was wondering if he's going to bounce it down low, but 
Oh, way short. Way short. Look, look at how tight this pin is tucked here. He's back in here. Yeah, right I mean, there. he's got a hard second shot or wow, third, fourth, that's whatever. Tough. Um, I think he laid up on purpose. And is DJ hitting a wood into a par three? 248. Hitting a wood. Looks good, though. And he was short. Wow. 248 par three. That's crazy. I didn't think you'd take a wood on that. DJ? Adam Scott, prettiest swing in golf. Uh, correction. Worry, I know. but Correction. Push that out. Fred Couples. <laughs> Just long. Um, okay, Scott, we're going to wrap it up because... I got. I got to get. I get I, hey, oh listen, my gosh! When I come on your, hey, I have the two hour. That's my Mendoza line. Two hours. I got to make it above two hours to make. Oh it God, right. we're almost a three. Yeah. That's, oh, that's I'm trying to keep it under three. Me. Yeah, These I brought go- questions. My other podcast, I, I brought questions because I said I'm gonna in my head. I'm going past two hours. I'm gonna do past two. <laughs> oh, we had no problem with past two. I, we probably went, we went. Oh yeah, we, we probably went about the same distance yeah. as you and I. I think. Um, no, I mean, most of these, if we could start like at noon, one o'clock, like right when it telecast happens, oh my gosh, we could do six all hours. Oh, yeah. I'd do six hours, no problem. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, so, uh, okay, last thing we're going to ask, Scott, who are you picking? I'm going Cantley. To win it? Yeah, I am. Okay, wow. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Rory. Rory? He's one over right now, right? I think he uh... Is he one over? He was earlier. I'm going to say Scotty. Just because he's on the leaderboard, and I think you have Scotty a three-stroke lead, yeah. or you have Scotty. I don't think Bryson. With, I don't think Bryson. I think Rory can make a can make a run at it if he's one. If he's still one over, because I think he's finished at one over, right? I agree, but I think Scotty at this point he can put three round. He can put three rounds together. I the other guys here, I don't think are going to put three rounds together like Scotty will after Straka's this. Straka's playing good golf, yeah, right but now, though, but for he's never been in major contention. Correct. He's 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 not a bad golfer. It's a just lot different. Fill the throw, man. Just I actually do have one question though. Sure. We play this course. What do we shoot? Like, say you're a bogey. Oh, golfer. I love this question. What What do you think? I think we're shooting a better round than we would at the Masters, for sure. What's the dist? Are we playing from from the tips? From the oh, from these the, questions are always the, the tips. Always the tips. Always the tips. So it's seventy four hundred. You said? Yep, seventy four hundred. Oh, that's that that adds at least fifteen strokes to my game, <laughs> maybe eighteen for, with these par threes. I mean, I'm. I'm gonna say 110. See, people always. What would you say? 125. Okay, I'd be more. I would say 130 to 150. I just think. Really? The, I just think they no. just. I just think it gets. I think you, the like, Masters 150 is definitely in the realm of possibility. So on Scott, these the, conditions, like these greens. Absolutely. I, I would say these. one. I'm gonna say 110. The only the only reason I say that is because most of these courses. Just purely based based on the length, you are going to play the hole completely different. So it goes back to the conservative part. If you play a 500 yard par four, like you're not you're, playing a par four. No, you're playing. So a par mentally, five. you could almost be like, I'm not going to reach it in two anyways. Let me just like hit some conservative. Like let me try to hit, you know, Rick. like if I hit my like Jared, perfect example. If I hit my driving iron instead of mm-hmm. my driver. You're and I know I'm going to be like... You're going to be in the fairway almost every hole. Well, I, even if I'm not in the fairway, I'm like in the rough. And then even if I have to hack out of the rough... But like then I have a wedge. It I'm just I feel like you're playing for bogey and double every hole, and I don't think you're going to be sucked into even a 240 yard par three. Like I'm probably going to hit a 200 yard club short and try to get up and down for a par. Yeah. Or, I'm going to hit a, I'm going to hit a six iron 180 yards 
and then I'm going to try to hit my 58 degree on the green and hopefully two putt. I, I would say 110. I would not break think, 100. I still think I I'm say, one, 125. Yeah, would be my guess. I, I would definitely feel like now uh, a little my one look, of my look, golf. Look how open that is too. Yeah, and he's this is his fourth shot, so he I must have missed him struggling. Watch, watch this thing just check right up. Yeah. Oh, that still ran out a little bit. Was he the? No, that was uh. That's, that's he, Patrick. Patrick. Yeah. So that's for bogey right there. Um, I shot an eighty-one at Kapalua. At uh, how wide are those fairways? They're beautiful. They're wide. I saw the, well, I saw the one photo you had. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. Yeah. With with rented clubs, it's like, it's one of my best. Like I, I like I played a lot of golf, and I haven't. I've only broken eighty a couple times. So like, it's not like I have a, a history of low score. But I rented clubs on a on a PGA course. That's I shot so cool. an eighty one. That's incredible. That must have been amazing. It was unbelievable. Especially like eighteen it, coming but, down from the hill and water and. But it was one of those times where your mind, my mind was completely clear. I wasn't focused on no results. Swing thoughts. I wasn't at all. thinking about. I was just playing golf, and it was so smooth. And the greens were beautiful and rolled so so true. So I think that you can score on a course like a really nice setup for these conditions. I think takes it to a, a level that would just really add a lot of strokes. But I would also think mind, if you had yeah. that opportunity, you would zone in more than you normally would. I also think the conditions too, though, like if you find yourself in the fairway, like being able to hit off of these fairways. That's true too. Yeah. Is like you're not hitting off of the knobs on 18 at Bluff, right? Like because the whole fairway yeah. is yeah. in perfect condition. No, there's. I mean, even when we played the Edison Club, there were yeah. shots we hit that just came off nicer because you're just hitting off just a came good off ground. Nicer. Yeah, like I'm not saying we're like great, but like you hit solid shots. Like, oh, that was nice to hit off of like a nice fairway, or, or even like out of like rough that's not like. But you're patchy also and, you're also hitting into a cement poured green, <laughs> and hoping to God that you stick it. Which one, at Edison? No, I'm saying on, on this course, like you know, sticking yeah. these greens yeah. for us, especially me, which my my shot rolls out a lot. But it looks like some of these you could play, sh- provided that you hit it on the right line, you can play short and be okay. Where some of them, you ha- it's like mostly carry. You know, they don't have those run-ups. They did a, they did a, they used to do a competition, not a competition, it was a made-for-TV event where a, a one person got a chance to play the open course on those conditions to try to break 100. And really? they would play like with uh, like a celebrity... And you don't remember those? It was, a, no, it was like I, a two to three year run where they did this I mate. Think, it was I called think, Break 100. I think they did it. And I think they did it at Bethpage. And like Michael Jordan was one of the guys. Yeah, it was celebrities. And then there would be some like, it would be like three celebrities and one. Like Joe. Just guy who just got won the, the golf lottery, you know. And the goal was to try to break 100. And it. I don't, I don't know any of them did. I don't think any of them did. Some yeah. of those guys are good golfers. Yeah. Like they weren't picking like bad I think Justin Timberlake did it one yeah, year. Yeah, he and, did. I think you're right. He's, a, he's he a single digit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you even have a guy like Steph Curry who's, who's I think, a scratch golfer. Scratch. And, he might be a plus one now. Actually. Yeah. And and it depends what a part of the offseason he's at. <laughs> That's part of the fair. year. Yeah. Um, you know he's not scratch right now. No. No, no, no. He's, well, he's, uh, he's playing golf right now, though. He's out of the playoffs. Bit. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I like LeBron, so. Um, <laughs> but, uh Okay. You want to wrap this up, Scott? Or you want to Absolutely. go the extra four minutes and get to three? No, you want, you want I the feel three good. hour? As long as I go past two, I'm good. I you're you're, really you're, good. you're well in the clear. <laughs> That's my goal. This would be saying like I want to break like ninety and shoot like an eighty-one. <laughs> like you are well under. Yeah, yeah. you, you could. You could <laughs> it's like standing on the last TB and like I need to like get better than a twelve to break if ninety. I, yeah. Asshole. <laughs> if I two putt this, I can hit a seventy-nine. <laughs> 
No, my, my, the worst one is like you make the turn and you get like five holes left. And like if I par out, oh, I, I shoot. And it's like I'm not gonna par out. So yeah. like you're just, yeah, you're literally sitting on 15. Okay, if I just par out, if I par out, I'm gonna get an eight. But those are the rounds. Then you start getting mad at yourself. Why am I thinking this way? Like when you play your best, a lot of times you're just out playing and you're not, the, and it just happens. The, the most, know? the most in the zone I ever was. I played at North Country. I was probably like 17 years old. I I probably teed off at like 5:36 at night. Nine holes, but played the back nine. I got up. I shot even par. I shot a 36. I think I hit every fairway and every green. I think I two putted everything, um, and or maybe I had a one birdie and one bogey, but something like. But like every time I got up, I'm like, I'm just going to smoke this down the middle and I'm going to hit the green. And I did it on almost every single hole. And I just remember I got to number 18. I was like, oh my God, I'm even par right now. And I was like, I'm just going to smoke this down the middle. I literally, it was almost like I hit a wedge out there. It was just a straight shot, hit the ball, probably had like a 20 footer, missed the putt, tapped in par. It was like 36. It was the most, I've never had that feeling again, but we talked like flow or in the zone. Yeah. I, yeah. That was my best round was last year. I mean, my best score was the year before. What was your was best round home. with other people? My, yeah, it was by myself. <laughs> you always give them crap. Like, oh, the, oh, that one My round. hometown course that I know, like, I could literally <laughs> probably play that course but with my eyes closed. But last year, I played with Galen, and I shot an 81, and I do not remember any of that round at all. I, I couldn't even tell you. I don't even remember putting on 18 yeah. to leave. I just The only thing I remember is uh, on four hitting a really nice straight drive down the left and having Galen say, you know, you're driving the ball pretty good today. And that's all I remember yeah. from the round. There was one point last year, it was like right after, I want to say, yeah, I think it was like you got the driver in a five wood or whatever. It was, was right after that. There was yeah. like a weird point last year, but all of a sudden you went from like, terrible up well it was like terrible but like not consistent too it was like oh that's probably the best part of your game is your driver three wood or whatever off the tee because you were just it was late in the season too this is probably like yeah. i don't know exactly what time it was but it was pretty close to the end of the season um but you i mean consistently probably 250 260 off the like yeah and hitting and, fairways and nice too yeah like, and straight and for you that like was a big difference well, yeah. massive you well and then we were in some tournaments too where like which is never the case where I was out driving Ryan for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're right. There wasn't. Yeah. Where did this come from? Mm-hmm. And now I'm back to where I'm at. Yeah, right usually, now. <laughs> usually we don't look at, at, at Jared to bail us out. In the drive, <laughs> I, was, so. I was bailing people off the tee box, which is pretty rare. <laughs> yeah. Ryan usually hits last in our group. So, um, all right, we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, PJ championship. Thanks for sticking with us folks. Um, I don't know if anybody actually listened this far, but that's fine. <laughs> this is more for us. This is always fun. Um, Scott, thank you so much. Thank you yeah. very much. This was good. We'll have you back on. We got a couple more majors, so maybe nice. we'll. Uh, I, I do want to do um, for the like the um, the open. I want to call it the British Open. The open. I want to do like a breakfast, like an early. We roll that'd in at like awesome. five six a.m. We get a cup of coffee. We just start like. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, that's up your alley. You'd be yeah. down for oh, that. Oh yeah, I'm a morning person. Yeah. I feel like we got to get like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning, just so like a cup of coffee, like breakfast. You know, that'd just chill. So great. Maybe maybe get some like yeah, we'll have a little breakfast meal in here. I think we do that little, little bangers and mash. <laughs> <laughs> strawberries and cream is that? What strawberries and cream is that Wimbledon. <laughs> Jared, Jared likes strawberries and cream. So, um, all right, we're going to end there. Episode, uh, what is this, 232 of the Galen Trombley Show. We're out. Thank you for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on all social platforms at Galen Trombley. Thanks for listening.